And now time for Gentle Insults with Dr. Ben Carson. Well, Raven Simone, I didn't expect you to be this angry when I came onto the program, but I will say that as someone who is a neurosurgeon, has a background in neuropsychiatry, uh, I understand the way the human brain works, and we have to look at it objectively rather than uh, simply uh, from hearsay. And I do think that having looked at the scan that, that you've incurred in your lifetime, there's only so much that someone like me can do by sitting on a chair in a panel attempting to assist you in understanding. Uh, but there's nothing I can do about um, the non-malleable uh, lack of any sort of intellect whatsoever uh, with your mental capacity. That's, that's your problem that you are, uh, you know, respectfully, functionally retarded. This has been Gentle Insults with Dr. Ben Carson. You found yourself at the junction where worlds meet. Politics. Civility? How about honesty in this country, folks? Entertainment. I don't like entertainment. And a whole bunch of other stuff. It's about having a healthy body image. You have a very unhealthy body. You should have a horrible body image. Not a big home improvement market in Detroit. <laughs> We are definitely going to get letters. You're listening to Talk Radio's Strangest Animal. You're a strange animal. That's what I know. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to And we are here, glad to be with you. As always, I am your host of Ladder with Crowder. I am Stephen Crowder, as with me always in studio is my producer, Jared, who is not gay. You can follow him on Twitter at NotGayJared. I have fulfilled my obligations. I apologize for the slanderous and libelous claims I made about Jared who is not gay for the many weeks prior. We good? Yeah, we, we can we can move on. I okay. Think. Thank you. Big week. Big week. We uh, you know it's so it's so funny because we do this program once a week. It's hard to know <clears throat> what did that happen last week? Did that happen this week with the Oregon shooting? And you don't know exactly how much of it you've covered or 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 what of the subject you've gotten into. So I'm pretty sure we've covered the gun control issue quite a bit. And, of course, the White House decided to politicize it before the bodies were even cold. Barack Obama decided to politicize this one before the families were even notified. Some of the families where someone died. So if there was ever a doubt as to his piece of excrementness, his essence of piece of excrement. So we'll get back to that. We're going to have a great guest, Ezra Levant who is uh, head of rebel.media up there in Canada. They're running this sort of underground resistance. They're gaining traction. Canada is this liberal wasteland of ideas. And it's crazy to see that there are some conservative uprisings. You're seeing that in places like Canada, in Brazil. So that if it seems hopeless in the United States for you sometimes, if you're looking into Joe Biden's beady little eyes and his pipe cleaner hair plugs and you're thinking, oh my God, this is where we're going. There's hope around the world. We're here to spread and bring a message of joy. That's why we're here. Speaking of which, I want to play something that I think is the most interesting and hilarious and uproarious and insert some other adjective here. Ted Cruz questioning the head of the Sierra Club. This is where Ted Cruz is at the top of his game. 
you, Senator Coons, and I'd like to, to go back briefly to Mr. Mayor. In your written testimony, uh, you said that the science behind climate change and its effect on minority communities, quote, should not be up for debate. Uh, I'm curious, is, is the Sierra Club, is, is this a frequent practice to declare areas of science not up for debate, not up for consideration of what the evidence and data show? Okay, now here's what's so important. We're going to go through this piece by piece. The question is really clear. It's not, is global warming real? Is global warming not real? It's, hey, you said, end of discussion, no debate. Is that common practice for you? Is that how this issue should be handled? That's a very important lasered in question. Now watch them dance, see? If you're right. If you are relying on the evidence and data, you know, the science, the preponderance of the evidence are there. But, but, but that's a different thing than saying we should not debate a question that the Sierra Club has, has declared this scientific issue resolved and there should be no debate. Based upon the preponderance of the evidence, the science is settled. But the thing is, is that anything is up for debate, Senator. We can debate anything. Well, you know, I would note that the, even the phrase preponderance of the evidence, Here having been a practicing lawyer for many years, means 51 percent. That means 49, at least 51 percent. Don't you love that? He means. defines it for him. Uh, you know, I would ask, for example, if you want to end debate, you don't want to address the facts. Uh, how do you address the fact that in the last 18 years, the satellite data show no demonstrable warming whatsoever? Sir, I would rely upon the Union of Concerned Scientists, and I would rely upon the evidence, and uh, again, from our own NOAA officials, uh, the data are... Okay, really quickly. This is the head of the Sierra Club, one of the most influential environmental impact lobbyist groups in the country, probably the world, and... Um, he says he's relying on Noah. Now, I did a video on Noah not long ago. It was, is Noah smarter than a fifth grader? Because Noah always comes out annually with their hurricane predictions. And so we had two fifth graders make predictions as to how many hurricanes. They did it by playing Go Fish. One of them picked, I think, five. And uh, I think one of them picked eight. Noah said there, no, one of them picked four and one of them picked six. Noah said there would be eight and there was five. So this was a couple years ago. The fifth graders got it right. Noah got it wrong. Just to give you an idea as to climate science, th these were their predictions. Another prediction that the, the ice caps were going to be gone by 2013. This is the famous writer who was cited by Al Gore all across the country. Then he rewrote it last year to say 2016, and here we are. So it's very important to note that we're talking about concrete, tangible examples that are verifiably false. When asked about them, the guy just says, I will rely upon the consensus of other scientists. I won't play too much of it because it, it gets repetitive, but this last little bit here is important. There. Uh, is it correct that the satellite data over the last 18 years demonstrate no significant warming? No. How is it incorrect? And this guy, the, the head of the Sierra Club, leans back to like an intern, like, shouldn't I know this crap? I don't know. You said no. You Based just keep still going. It's been refuted long ago, and there's no long. It's not up for a scientific debate. Uh, so look, he never answers the question. Based upon what this gentleman told me, it was settled, and it's not up for debate. Well, I'm asking you. Okay, you said it's not up for debate. What about this point? Uh, it's not I'm up for curious debate. Curious. So, so it's it's 
I, I want to understand this. I do find it highly interesting that the president of the Sierra Club, when, when asked what the satellite data demonstrate about warming, um, apparently is, is relying on, on staff. So, so <laughs> He's relying on a coffee runner. The, the nice thing about the satellite data is these are objective numbers. Essentially, uh, we rest on our position. And, and to what you said, you are familiar with the pause. So to what does so, the phrase... The I'll, we have this up at Lado with credit.com and you can go listen to it to listen to the rest of this. But here's what I find so telling. And Jared and I were talking about this. He brings up specific data and every time he goes, well, we, it's not up for debate. And then the head of the Sierra Club or the representative of the Sierra Club, whoever is sitting here at this uh, at this subcommittee, this judiciary subcommittee, the person they've put forward to rep the Sierra Club says, I'm going to rely on the 97% consensus. A couple of things here. You can, your mic's on, Jared. A couple of things here. Firstly, science is never governed by consensus. Science is governed by what's correct. There could have been consensus at one point that the earth was flat. One scientist was right. It's not like history where we require consensus and, okay, we're piecemealing things together that we have available to sort of, okay, well, what do we consider to be congruent with other historical artifacts? That In, in some areas, consensus really matters. Uh, in science, that's not how science is governed. It's ruled by truth. So firstly, they say, I go to the consensus of 97% scientists. They never really tell us where that number comes from. And then this guy is the head of the Sierra Club who's repping this in front of the United States government. It's so embarrassing for them. Well, he's, he's, the, be so embarrassing. he's the head of the Sierra Club, right? And he's saying, well, I would delegate to the 97% scientists. I'm going, well, hold on a second. If you're the head of the Sierra Club, to whom are those 97% of scientists deferring to? <laughs> when you ask them, say, well, where, where, why are you so confident? They're probably saying, well, you know what? I'm going to go with the head of the Sierra Club on this one. They go, oh, well, who do I go to? Who's the manager here? The real manager, not some patsy for the higher-ups. Head of Sierra Club. All right, that's where I'm going. Hey, you're one of the biggest environmental impact organizations, head of Sierra Club. Uh, what about this data? Well, I'm going to go to the 97%. They sent me to you. They sent me to you. It's like calling AT&T where they send you to retention to send you back. No one can tell. This is the head. If someone should be able to have the definitive information, should it not be the Sierra Club? And should they not be adequately prepped? <laughs> you got to see his for some people who can't see his face. You just got it's like you hear the headlights. It's like oh crap. He's like he just he's in deep waters and he knows it. How do and they he not? Doesn't know how to get back. And the thing is, he knew Ted Cruz was going to be there. Like he knew on his agenda, probably which, written in which, all caps. <laughs> Ted Cruz. Which Ted Cruz do you think he was planning on showing up? The 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 persona of Ted Cruz from. I don't know. Leftists that just think he's a complete idiot, or the one who was the smartest guy coming out of Harvard. It, I, I, which which well, one? That's a perfect example too. People just try and assault the character. I've heard that with Ted Cruz, right? In the media, they go, "Well, then you have people like Ted Cruz." Or they go, well, "Republicans are smart. How do you explain people like Ted Cruz?" You know how you answer those people? You say, "What about Ted Cruz?" Well, uh, 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 do you mean the guy who has an IQ of one sixty? Do you mean the guy who was? one of the most uh, impressive Harvard Law students ever to the point that unlike Barack Obama, both the students in his grade and the professors who taught him actually remember him attending class. Do you mean that, Ted Cruz? If you don't like him, that's fine. 
But people just throw out these blanket statements, just like 97% we're supposed to agree. Well, yeah, well, 97% of scientists, well, and science is governed by consensus, so yes, let's accept your fact. Same thing. Well, well, well yeah, everyone says Ted Cruz is stupid, so yeah, well, I guess, I guess let's, all, let's all engage in groupthink here. Ted Cruz is stupid because someone else said, well, what about Ted Cruz? And they assumed it, and I don't want to sound stupid myself, so I'll go along with their premise. Don't. When someone says 90%, 97% of scientists agree, you say, where, where are you getting that? From which ass are you pulling that? Is it your own or did you <laughs> did you find someone else? I think it's a donor. It's a donor along the line. Seriously. It, it is so mind-boggling. And the reason why we're talking about this, there's a lot to get into, is this is a pivotal moment of resistance. It's the perfect contrast of someone who's trying to stay on an issue and someone who's trying to defer to narrative. So um, we'll talk more about that and a couple more examples with Ben Carson this week. And then some weird stuff, Ladder with Crowder. Oh, hey, Lyle, didn't see you there. What are you doing? Hey, well, I'm just relaxing and enjoying my 1978 Bordeaux, a fine beverage after a fine game of racquetball at the Wimbledon. There's no more quality establishment than the Wimbledon, you know. That sounds fun. I don't really know a whole lot about wine. That's why I go to simplifiedwine.com. Or I just call their number. What's that number, Jared? 844-297-WINE. Oh, where'd he come from? His voice aggravates me. I have him chained to a caravan. For simpletons like me who don't know a whole lot about wine, just what I like... It makes it easy. I either get to call, go to the website, talk with a sommelier, list what I like, what I don't like, my budget, and can have it shipped directly to my door, or gift wrapped and sent to a friend. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Simplified wine, you say? I prefer more of a barrier to entry. <laughs> I know you do, Lyle, but you're an elitist bastard. That's why for simpletons like me, I prefer simplifiedwine.com or just calling 844-297-WINE. So glad to be back. As always, glad to be with you. Um, we got some funny tweets where people were saying I, they couldn't believe the Ted Cruz deal. Here's the crazy thing about this climate change, and we have it up at lotterwithcrowder.com. My apologies. I'm going to hit the cough button because I sound like an old lady. Oh, my gosh. I don't. My allergies are going nuts right now. I have no idea what it is. The Ted Cruz deal is so emblematic of leftists trying to go, no, this is the narrative we've set. 97% of scientists see agree. Ted Cruz is going, well, what about the 18 years where there's no warming whatsoever? I'm going to defer to the 97% of scientists. Firstly, I've not found a reliable source on the 97% of scientists. For all we know, couldn't it just be like one crazy scientist missing 3% of his body? Could be. Is that, is that a possibility? He, For all we know. He blew off his his ring and pinky in a firecracker accident. That happens. I actually know a guy who did such a thing has missing his entire hand from playing with bombs in Brazil. Well, those bombs in Brazil are a little are, different from firecrackers. people are out there. <laughs> Brazil's a little more well, than black cats. I took it a little bit, a little far. But yeah, he's called, called One Hand John. So if you know One Hand John out there, it's, it's probably the same One Hand John. There can only be so many. There can only be so many. Even a, even a, a name John. I, uh, yeah, well. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. It's uh, 
I've never seen a reliable source. And w- w- what scientists is that including? Is that including, I mean, a Ben Carson? Was he in that poll as a neuroscientist? Is it only including geologists or climatologists? Is it including the botanist down the road who's growing all the hydroponic tomatoes that you're buying at your local farmer's market? Who is included? That's a question. If you're going to say 97% of scientists agree and you're the head of the Sierra Club and you don't know Jack, I'm going to go, okay, all right, let me ask you, who's the other 97% of scientists? For all we know, it could have been a situation where they said, Hundred, they just want to trot out a hundred percent, but they someone would thought, eh, sounds suspicious. It just doesn't. Let's s- back off the throttle a little bit. Let's say ninety-seven. You, you think people buy? You think people buy that? Yeah, I think. I think we're good. Yeah, I don't. I don't think a lot of people buy it. I don't think people buy certainly the Sierra Club. This guy. No. Are you crazy? Those guys are retard. Understatement. Understatement. <laughs> it wasn't us. Just by the way, for people to get offended. It's very important to, to to stop it before it gets along the trail, especially for a lot of people listening. Listen, I'm not the I'm not the smartest guy around, but uh, you're not either. <laughs> so, not to insult a listener, but you don't want to get off into the weeds where the Sierra Club guy can take it into some. It's kind of like debating conspiracy theorists. That's what a lot of the climate change people are, right? Like conspiracy theorists. Have you ever done that, Stephen? Yeah, have you ever done that? <laughs> like who the Illuminati, and they're going to say 9/11 was an inside job. And you go, like, listen, I don't want, or they say the Boston bombing never happened. Uh, circular and they go, well, did you read the report that came from the actually block seven square foot four that talked about the temperature brewing point of oil? Like, By no, way, of course. The URL doesn't exist yes. anymore. No, it's like, no, of course I didn't read it. <laughs> of course I didn't read that. So that's what they do. Is they try and pull out facts with such specificity that you can't refute that you feel like you're lost in the weeds. That's what they try and do with climate change. Here's a fact with specificity. The ice caps were supposed to be gone in 2013. Have it up at lotterwithcrowder.com. Then the same guy who wrote about it. The ice caps were supposed to be gone in 2016. We're fast approaching. We're not seeing that. Look at Al Gore and Inconvenient Truth. 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 Who am I? Phil Cool? Truth is Truth. Truth. We talking truth. Um, we, we, Al Gore's chart, the hockey stick chart, is false. What he said about Florida and sea levels has been proven false. What he said about fish populations has been proven false. So Which is disappointing because there are some really crappy parts of Florida. I live there. I can say that. There it's are. disappointing. Yes. Florida is not exactly what you expect. No. No. It's about 2% cool. And the rest is like, get me out. Get me out. 60% of the time, it works every time. That's where I believe your stats come from. That's where they come from. That's where they come from. About like the 97% consensus stat. It's one of those deals. It's important to watch this because it's important to see such a black and white, unfiltered contrast. And and Ted Cruz is really good in this situation. He doesn't do that well in debates. He doesn't do that well in more just, just the coming across like a like a normal guy uh, interviews. But when he's grilling someone, he is brilliant. But it, again, my question is always 97 percent to, to whom are you deferring, Mr. Head of the Sierra Club? It's like you're in the middle of battle and you're looking to your squad leader and you say, hey, listen, we're down under heavy fire here. Uh, They're shooting at us and they're throwing flash grenades. What do we do? Well, I'm going to defer to the 97% of privates. Wait, aren't you the one who should have some kind of an answer, sir? Or ma'am, we're not sexist. 
shouldn't you have some kind of a response here? We're looking to you for leadership. Well, all I know is there are 97% of people in other squads who say that I'm, I know what I'm talking about. What are you talking about? I just, um, we're all going to die now. That's what happens. When someone just defers to somebody, and this happens all the time, and nobody wants to question anybody on it. People just accept it. People just accept, of course, well, Ted Cruz was stupid. People just accept, we didn't find weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Don't ever accept that. That's a perfect one. Whenever someone says, George Bush lied about WMDs in Iraq, just say, we found WMDs in Iraq. And let your seconds tick away on the clock and watch that face turn to a face of panic because they never even considered the possibility. Hand them your smartphone. Say, Google WMDs in Iraq. It's like Christmas. But we just accept it, right? Because the media says something. There were no WMDs in Iraq. There were. We found them, period. End of story. Now, if you want to argue that Iraq still wasn't a valid war, that's perfectly legitimate. The problem is when the left, they don't want to argue the points. Here, Ted Cruz goes to a specific data point. The earth has not warmed at all in 18 years, which to me, 18 years is pretty significant, right? The pause. The pause. <laughs> and if you want... What a convenient explanation. Yes. Is. And you know, like part of the definition of junk science is ignoring all evidence contrary to your hypothesis in order to prove your hypothesis correct. You should be willing to abandon your hypothesis if you believe it's incorrect. But think of that for, for a second here, people listening. Think of the pause is a term that Ted Cruz talks about that's been created to explain the 18-year non-warming period. Rather than accept that their theory of warming might be incorrect, they call it the pause, assuming it to be correct, and then switch it to climate change. That's the definition of junk science. Ezra Levant from Rebel.media coming up. You do not want to miss this. Loud with Crowder. Now it's time for your Dating Advice Minute with Bill Cosby. Now this week's letter comes to me from Russell in Syracuse, New York. And he says, I got myself a woman and she wants to be with me. But when it comes to the boudoirs, it doesn't want to do some of the weirdest stuff that I would like to do. Oh, man, Russell had this problem at one time or another. Sometimes you're jealous because you're just doing the same old vanilla and the person down the block has a Vietnamese sex habit because you got jealous like a jealous bee. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to light some candles. You're going to make a romantic You're going to make a romantic atmosphere. You got the women need to feel like it's an event. Create the event to the drugger, and then you're going to move pop This has been your dating advice minute with Bill Cosby. You're listening to L L Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder.
Glad to have this next guest with us. Now, some of you here stateside might not be familiar with him. I've known him for a while. Uh, I think they coined him. I don't want to bring him on and upset him right away. I think they coined him like the Canadian Glenn Beck or Canadian Rush Limbaugh for a while. Uh, And I worked over there at Sun News in Canada, which was a conservative outlet that didn't exist when I lived there. Now he runs Rebel.media, basically an underground resistance uh, in conservative media in Canada. Really nice guy, Ezra Levant. Thanks for coming on, brother. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, was it the Canadian Glenn Beck? Was it the Canadian Limbaugh? Am I misquoting? Someone said something like that about you. Well, you know, a lot of folks uh, in Canada use those as insults. Yes. Uh, I, of course, would be flattered to be compared to either man, not just because I think they're curious, good, skeptical question askers, they're independent, but they're great. Both of those enormous enterprises, if only it would be 1% as, as successful as either of them. Well, ideologically, and certainly compared to the, I guess, it's going to sound derogatory, but the talent pool in Canada, you are. I mean, the difference is you're creating the ceiling in Canada. For people who don't know, you know, Rebel.me, there was Sun News, which is a Canadian uh, uh, cable news network competing against government-funded news. I'd love to get have your, your take on that because a lot of Americans don't realize government-funded news media. And uh, now you're doing it online. So compared to the websites in Canada, you guys are just killing it. You just, you know, you have a tenth of the population that we do. Right. I mean, we got about 35 million Canadians, but a quarter of them are, are French speakers. So we're actually an even smaller market. And of course, Canada by nature is not as conservative as the United States. So I'd say the area of the pond that we're fishing in is like one twentieth the size. Oh, gosh. And it's, as you mentioned, the number one broadcaster employing about 50% of all working journalists in Canada is the government. It's called the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. They were created more than 75 years ago by government. Maybe 75 years ago there was a need for a government broadcaster. I don't think so, but I mean, really... In there the was a need for that of, government broadcaster. <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, I could even understand the argument, even if I disagreed with it, for a government broadcaster during the war, for example. Seriously, in an age of 500 channels on your cable, infinite number of channels on online, seriously, to get a billion extrapolate to the United States, that would be like giving $10 billion a year. Yeah, it would be like if Brian Williams was getting $10 billion to make up his fake Apache helicopter stories. Yeah, and it crowds out free because it just, how, and it, it, how can you exactly how to sell ads with a government agency that obviously doesn't have to sell ads, obviously can indulge in the most obscure vanity uh, journalism because they don't have to actually care what people want. For, you don't think for, uh, Suzuki's studying of African uh, squirrel nut gathering patterns was compelling TV? What's wrong with you? How dare you? Well, that's a great example. I mean, our version of, uh, I mean, we've got a guy named Suzuki who's part Al Gore in terms of uh, global warm, warming uh, worrying. It's a little bit like Bill Nye, the science guy. He pretends to be, I mean, he's a, he's a sort of an amalgam of all these left-wing causes. And for literally 40 years, he has had a marquee show on this government propaganda network. We create these personalities, but they're government personalities. You know what's the worst, Stephen? Uh, the fact that David Suzuki and Al Gore maybe had relations, but continue. We, we've got government comedians in Canada. Just stop and think about that. That would be like saying we've got a government punk rock band. 
Well, we have those here too. They're called Janine Garofalo and uh, Mark Maron. But actually, no. working for the government. What what I find so amazing. I mean, comedy in so many ways. I mean, it's about irreverence. It's about uh, it's about skepticism. It's about political incorrectness. Anti authoritarianism. It, yeah. How can you be a comedian whose paycheck every two weeks says government? Canada. Well, let me scale that back for you, Ezra, because I, you know, started as a stand-up comic in Montreal at at seventeen, and uh, you know, in Montreal we had several colleges, and one of them removed me from the docket with a multicultural fair because I had bits about Islam and Muhammad. And the worst experience I've ever had at in stand-up was at Concordia University. Um, They just this was before trigger warnings and this kind of mindset made it to the United States. It was so accelerated on Canadian campuses. They couldn't even. And as a matter of fact, before I got on stage, there was a kid named Mike Mayo who did a bit. I'll give you just kind of some insight because he got booed and they complained and had him taken off the hook. His bit was he said, um," and he was a liberal, by the way. He goes, you know, I've watched this horrible war going on in Iraq and what's happening. And you see these people on CNN, they're running up and screaming on CBC, the camera with blood all over them. And I think, my God, this is one crazy commercial for Tide. And he did a commercial about Tide and the war, like trying to, and it was a bit really about profiteering off of war with private companies. And it was clever. And people were like, boo. And they complained and had them removed. Free speech is, is, it's not a a tenet of sort of the ideals of freedom in Canada. I don't think Americans understand that. Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, they they say they don't go to campuses. And it's not just because everyone's recording their stuff on cell phones, but it's that, no one laughs anymore. Andy Levy of, uh, Red Eye. Uh, of Fox News, he's great. He's got a line that I really like. He says, you don't have to think funny, but you have to acknowledge it was a joke. And, and he says that in rebuttal to, to this fake, uh, over-sensitive, oh, my God, did he really say that? <laughs> and, and it happens whenever someone makes a joke. And Andy Levy's right. Look. You don't have to say it was funny, but you've got to acknowledge it was an attempt at humor. But they are deliberate anti-humor activists. Well, they, and that's and their attack. The, the reason that's so important is because leftists, and HuffPo did it with me at CPAC, fact-checking my jokes. Um, they'll never say, you don't have the right to say it. They'll always do it under the guise of, well, I just don't think that was funny. Who cares? You know, humor has been anti-establishment forever. That's one of the places we have as a safety valve but look through the ages i mean solzhenitsyn he was sent to siberia because he made a joke in a private letter he called stalin the whiskered one like it's not even a big joke he just sort of made a joke about stalin's bushy mustache seven years in siberia ayatollah khomeini in the iranian revolution said there is no humor in islam and that's because humor is anti-authoritarian, right. it's disruptive, it's insurgent, and you can't allow that when everyone has to be serious and sober. And so it's that same authoritarian streak. It's so ironic, because 40 years ago, the left was the house of free speech, but right. that's when they were insurgents. Right. That's when they were the ones boycotting conservative university deans. Now that all the university deans and professors are leftist, time to shut down any insurgents who might. Right. 
Right. And what's funny is they still act like those people are the the big, you know, the, the, the big power hitters, right? They'll they'll still bring up like, what about Jerry Falwell? What the, it's 2015. Are you serious? But I want to take you, I want to take you because an area where that you know, obviously, we just, we had Gavin and he was talking about comedy too, but government media, that's something that I think a lot of Americans don't understand. When I have Americans, and, and hey, Jared, how long do we have in this segment? We have a, five minutes. Okay, we're good. Um, when Americans, you know, they go, the corporate media, man, I go, okay, hold on a second. I, I understand where you're coming from. But think of the alternative. Government media? That's yeah. what we have in Canada. And I think Americans are very out of touch. So kind of tell Americans what that's like a little bit. I mean, do you have a media that's very critical of big liberal government that encourages more funding to them? Or do they tend to be harsher on the conservative candidates who want to cut funding to the media? Like well, I can give you an extremely specific example. We are literally a week and a half away from our Canadian federal election. It, it's right. like it's November 1st, 2016 up here. That's how close we are to election day. And like I said, the CBC, the Canadian Corporation, is the it, it's as large as all other media combined. It would be as if PBS had a $10 billion budget. That's, mm -hmm. that's the scale. Imagine that. And of course, it's not just TV and radio. It's internet. So they're competing against every newspaper too. Even though the CBC doesn't publish a print newspaper they're online their websites they're digital they're on the go so they compete with everyone so what you have is you have three main parties our incumbent prime minister but not so conservative that he's dared to to privatize this government broadcaster no by american standards he would be you know very centrist john mccain yeah but you've got two left-wing challengers uh, one's a liberal one's a new democrat we call them Democrat in January announced if he wins, he will give the CBC a $115 million bonus, <laughs> like a success fee. <laughs> like he basically said, if I win the election, 50, hey, hey, half of you journalists. I'm going to incentivize you to carry my water, kids. That's right. The other left-wing challenger named Justin Trudeau, well, he's not going to be out there. Didn't he used to be he's a TV a, host, or am I mistaken? No, no, he... Um, his father was prime minister of Canada 45 years yes. ago, four years ago. So the leader of the New Democrats. But didn't he host like a Canadian version of American Idol or something like that? Or no, was that's it? another uh, son of a prime minister, former prime minister. That's Ben Mulroney. Oh, um, sorry. Okay. That's hard to keep them straight. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, children of former. But it's, uh, this, the comparison with Chelsea Clinton, Justin Trudeau and Chelsea Clinton, both had parents who were successful or long-term uh, prime ministers. Mm -hmm. You, no one would Chelsea Clinton on her own merits. It would be because she's part of the family. That's what's happening with Justin Trudeau. But here's my point. Trudeau said, Thomas Mulcair of the New Democrats will give you $115 million. I'll give you $150 million. <laughs> And then I got, so you've got these two left-wing parties who are basically and saying, And free hey, ice cream at the cafeteria, guys. It's, it's called the success fee. It's like a right. commission. If you close this sale, CBC... You're going to get a six-figure top-up. And by the way, in the era of media layoffs everywhere, that's a lot of money. One more wrinkle. You got a government journalistic, you got a government TV station, government radio station. Of course, they've got government unions. I mean, they're, they're unionized. Course, yeah. I don't know how you even have a, a union for creative workers. Like, I understand a union for coal miners. How do you have a union for journalists? Well, here's the thing. Uh, down in the states you have things called super PACs we have something we have the same sort of thing in Canada they're called third-party campaign groups 
really similar. Right. The Canadian Media Guild, that's the union that represents the government reporters. They have a super PAC. They have a third-party campaign group spending their union dues attacking the prime minister's reporters right. who by day are reporting objectively on our conservative prime minister are paying for a campaign to attack him with their union dues. It's right. the grossest conflict of interest you can imagine. That's government media for you. But it, that's not it. That's not all. Because we have other agencies here. We have something. Well, I, I want to make sure we don't get off too far in the weeds in Canadian okay. politics, just because it gets a little complex. But I do think the macro issue here that Americans need to understand is this: this is at least strikingly similar to the alternative that leftists want for American media. I'm not a huge fan of corporate media. Sometimes, right? It comes with its faults. I think just like we can agree, uh, a two-party system comes with its faults, but so does a parliamentary system, right? They all come with with plus and minuses. Uh, Did you see what Matt Drudge said? Uh, I, I did. Days ago. Yeah. I thought there was some truth there. He said that as we're all being. Well, you know what? Let me let me hold you because we got to go to a break here in 30 seconds. But I know what you're talking about. We covered it on the site. Yeah. And, and, and Drudge is insightful. And even media has accelerated way past the era of Drudge. So it's, it's just crazy how quickly it happens. And of course, government media is not quick to adapt. Louder with Crowder. We'll be back with Ezra. This is Louder with Crowder. Be sure to visit louderwithcrowder.com. Hey, listener, what are you doing? You're listening to the show, but you're missing so much content at louderwithcrowder.com. Don't worry. I'm not trying to sell you anything, not any gold or self-lubricating pocket catheters, just news, videos, and exclusive stuff that you don't hear on terrestrial radio. Again, it's, it's all free. We're not asking you to spend any money. Just visit there, get your news, and get a couple of laughs. If you want to send me money, that's fine. What? I don't even know. How do you get in this room? Cold hard cash. This ad took a bad turn. Hey! Louderwithcrowder.com. Don't listen to Fund It, but it doesn't cost a thing. Louderwithcrowder.com. You're a strange animal. That's what I know. This is Louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. We are back. I have to correct myself. The Rebel.media with a Canadian superstar. Ezra Levant. That's like saying tall is short guy. <laughs> and you sound just like my doctor in Montreal, Dr. Grombois. I've talked with my dad about that. You have that sort of that scotchy, buttery smoothness that ages like fine leather to your voice. I remember as a kid, I used to go in and he, he just put the stethoscope against me and ask me, and I just wanted to listen to his voice. You've got that kind of voice. So, um, sorry, I just started off really creepily. You were talking about, before we went to the break, what Matt Drudge said to Alex Jones. I know Alex Jones, well, you know, people are going to say their thing, but what Matt Drudge said was important. Go ahead. Yeah, he said, look, as so much of our communication goes through Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, uh, the company's terms of service have become the new censorship tools. For example, if a bunch of social justice warriors think your humor is not funny or hurtful, they can petition Twitter to get your Twitter account deleted right. or your Facebook account deleted. So that is not government censorship. But when these, so I mean, and I'm not anti-corporate, I'm not a socialist, I'm not right. a conspiracy theorist. I'm not talking about those things. I'm just saying as so much of our media is channeled into these corrals, we are at the mercy of these homogenizing, pasteurizing Did you see, companies. we covered this, did you see in a live mic what Zuckerberg said to uh, Merkel there in Germany? 
talking about the migrants and how to tamp down criticism. Absolutely. Yes, on Facebook. And, and you're right, they have the right to do that. And in, in the spirit of, of full disclosure, having worked with, with Facebook and Twitter on certain things, Twitter is much more even-handed. They're not nearly as quick to ban people like Facebook is. Um, and even Jack Dorsey, who's there, is, is, is right on some issues and left on some issues. But you're right. And one crazy thing I would add to that, that Matt Drudge um, – didn't touch on, but it's also very important. And this this is the flaw right now with sort of social media news. The good, the good thing is someone like you, Ezra, someone like myself, we're able to build up an audience and speak directly to the people without some middleman, without a gatekeeper, and that's great. The downside is with social media, like Facebook in particular, is it curates your feed. It says you like this, you share this. You don't like that, so we're not going to show you the things you don't like. And so what it does is it's incentivized, and it's particularly problematic for me as a conservative who, who really does believe that the truth matters. It's incentivized both the right and the left not to tell their audiences what they need to hear, but to cut through the Facebook timeline or the Instagram timeline to post what they know they want to hear. Not, not what they need to hear, what they want to hear, rather. And that's why the echo chamber has gotten far worse. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a downside. On the flip side, there aren't two echo chambers. There's one in government media with the monopoly in Canada. So there are no pluses to government media as you have in Canada, despite how leftists try and spin it in the States. Right. Well, I mean, the fact that you can block people who disagree with you I mean, I do it because I have countless trolls and hecklers. Sure. But you you always want to have an ear to your critics because occasionally a critic, even a bad faith critic, can get it right. I don't know if you're familiar with Charles Murray, the great American scholar. He he uh, wrote a book, I think it's called Coming Apart, about about different silos of Americans. And if you Google Charles Murray quiz, how thick is your bubble? I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a great little online quiz that asks you questions like, when was the time on a factory floor? Do you have any real friends who you disagree with actively about politics? Do you, and it asks you questions, mm -hmm. um, basically testing, do you know how the other half lives? And which is, a, which is very insightful. He's not saying it's right or wrong, any of these things. He's just saying there's two different Americas increasingly. You have an intellectual, snooty class in Manhattan and L.A., and they think they're open-minded, they think they're tolerant, they think they're progressive, but they actually don't know what the other half lives like. They think they're for the working man. They've never been on a factory floor. One of his questions is, have you ever been in a parade that wasn't anti-war, global warming, or gay rights? Well, that considering that I've dressed up as a tranny and gone into Planet Fitness and have walked into feminist film festivals in my underwear, <laughs> I would say, and I think I have some semblance as to how the other half lives. I mean, but, all he's saying is, I mean, for, for a lot of fancy people in L.A. and New York, being in a parade is so hick and small town. But for an enormous number of Americans, that's actually how you show your love and your pride of your city. Right. You, yeah, and so it, he's not judging. And Canadians are super that. judgmental with that. Canadians think they hear a southern accent. You must be stupid. Oh. And I was that way. And I moved to Texas, and there was a guy working on my car. And uh, he was one of these, like, mechanics, because in Texas, you know, it's so it, things are so unregulated. You can get everything for cheap and really high quality. So the guy would actually come to my house and fix my car right there in my, um, my parking spot. Um, and he had no teeth, and he had a leathery skin, 
And I started speaking with him and realized this guy's a genius. You're sitting there talking about this. Well, when they switched over from carburetor here to fuel injection, when you talk about this, and then he goes off into science and stuff. And he was he was like some biochemist or something. I'm going, holy crap! But no one's going to believe him if he goes to Canada because of his accent. Well, I mean, in Canada, one of our government comedians had a shtick called talking with Americans. He would go to the United States yeah. and he would ask Americans questions about basic Canadian facts like. What do you think of Prime Minister Poutine? Uh, Poutine is a French Canadian, right, right, you know, right. French fries, gravy, and cheese. And it would be hilarious. I tell you, you ask any Canadian, what do you think about President uh, Hamburger? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's easy. I thought it was for sad for Canada because it made it seem inconsequential. And then when you look on the flip side. Remember the, the fit they threw in Quebec when Triumph the Insult Dog made fun of French Canadians? Do you remember that? You know what? I vaguely do, and every once in a while. I mean, there's nothing shows Canadian. I mean, by the way, I love Canada, and I'm confident. I think Canada is actually in many measures a stronger, more conservative, better country. Uh, Higher on the economic freedom index, yeah. We're doing well, and I, I love America, but you've had a rough seven Yes, we have. That's the and, best. I mean, we're, we're, thank God we're best friends, and it's not proper for neighbors. But there's something strange about Canadians. Whenever a Canadian is mentioned in the United States, they noticed us. Yes. And it, it shows there's an inferiority complex up here. But to make it big in Canada, you've got to be mentioned in the States, or you didn't really make it big. Well, I want to, we'll, we'll take this to the web extended version for people listening to Restrially on LottawaCrider.com or TheRebel.media, because I want to talk about that uncensored here. Ezra, thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, to those listening, an extended uncensored, because Ezra goes crazy uh, after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Follow Stephen on Twitter at S. Crowder. And now time for Gentle Insults with Dr. Ben Carson. Well, Whoopi, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I can clear those questions up quite simply if you give me the point between... You're cackling and you're discussing issues about which you clearly uh, have no understanding. And I think that maybe the fact that you did fornicate with people like Dennis Rodman and, and people who are known infected venereal diseases, and I understand this as a doctor, that those can have ramifications on your neuropsychiatry. So I say this obviously in a respectful way because we don't need to be engaging in, in uh, unnecessarily angry rhetoric that your, your past as a whore uh, would make you less likely to be qualified on the issue of women's health. This has been Gentle Insults with Dr. Ben Carson. You're a strange animal, that's what I know. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. So glad. As always, we're happy. We're happy here in the second hour. Your host, Stephen Crowder, joined in studio, producing as always, is not gay. Jared, um, we're good? I'm, you know, I feel better. Okay. About it, All right, so. let's just move on. So I was wrong 
want to go right into it. I, I, I'm going to admit that I was wrong here. This doesn't happen often. It actually does happen pretty often. <laughs> when you actually go back, I just don't make a formal announcement of it. Yeah, and then lawsuits help push. Yes, lawsuits along. help. They do they, accelerate they, <laughs> the process. Expedite the process a little yes. bit. Yes. It's next day shipping. Yes. On Ben Carson. Now, we've talked about this on this program. I've always liked Ben Carson. I said I like him as a person. I don't know if he's fit to be president for two reasons. Executive experience, and that still is a concern, but I also thought he was a bit of a, a bit of a wuss. Um, I was wrong about that. I was wrong about that in the sense that, you know, you have Ben Carson where everything he talks about is very measured and he never gets upset and he's a little bit mumbling in the you way that he talks. kind of feel like time's talks. going backwards and you, sometimes. And you feel like, yes, like you've gotten into the flux capacitor and you're going back to when your parents were born. So <laughs> that's the way he talks about everything. And I, I, it came across as kind of weak. But when you realize that's just the way he speaks, and you go, okay, this is, you get into the rhythm, and then you hear what he's saying and how he defends positions that offend leftists, you realize, well, hold on a second. He's taking a wildly controversial position here, and he's not walking it back. And I have to respect that. He's taken probably some of the most uncomfortable positions of many conservatives here, and, uh, and he, doesn't, he doesn't apologize for them. He doubles down, but he does it in, uh, well, you're, he might as well be saying, even though he's being very polite, screw you, Wolf Blitzer, your, your mother is a floozy, and, uh, you know, you're a horrible person, I think you're going straight to hell. He could say any of those things, and you're just like, well, that's a nice guy. Like, he just beat the hell out of you, but you didn't realize it. Like, he... You're, just, you're walking away, uh... I think I'm a little sore. I think I'm a little sore. Didn't see that coming. I think my I think my took us is a little bit sore. Someone spanked me. But it's like covert spanking. So one that was there were a few this week where he's been making the rounds in gun control. And we'll get to that one, but one that was really important was with Whoopi Goldberg on the view, where she brought back up his comments about a Muslim president. Now, well, let's play this one first and then we'll go to the other. So like I said, I'm I'm I've been a little bit wrong about him. And I'm coming around. The Hitler Nazi Germany could happen here. Uh, that's not what I said. Okay, well, the, uh, <laughs> I, I'm just giving you. I'm, that's the spin. Okay, that's so the spin. well then I'm going to give you Call an opportunity to say what you said and explain what you meant. But I want to give you the other. Th the, Her voice the is terrible. Oh. Uh, would She's not support a Muslim president if his religion is inconsistent with the Constitution, yeah. and then uh, it's okay to have a Confederate flag on private property. Okay. Uh, that one's right. <laughs> I don't have okay. problems. I can explain all of those okay, quite easily. So I'm, I'm asking. <laughs> That's the reason that I wrote that book, by the way. Right. You know, it's, it's about our laws and what is correct in this country. And, and this is a pluralistic society. Right. So that means no my way or the highway stuff. It means we have to learn how to get along together. And there's give and take with that. Now, what I was saying about the Hitler comment. Right. And I purposely said that because I knew the left wing would go crazy. He said Hitler. You know, that's where his blackness comes out. <laughs> He's doing impression of his grandma. He said Hitler, boy. What I said is most of the people in Nazi Germany did not believe in what Hitler was doing. But did they speak up? No. They kept their mouths shut. And when you do that, you are compromising 
your freedom and the freedom of people who come behind you. You have to be willing to stand up for he what you believe the, in. He won the election in Germany. He won the election. It doesn't matter what he did. We know he was an evil man. But also, now. you know, there were people standing up, just so you know, you know, the White Rose Society. There were a lot of folks that not were... Not that, that They might not have been enough, but there that were the, people. But that was the point. That, that was, was your okay. point. What? What? Okay, let's say there might not have been enough. I understand what Whoopi's doing, and I don't want to grandstand on Whoopi thinks she's no, she's not supporting Hitler. But that's a perfect example of the left can never just concede points where you say A is true, and they go, meh. All right. <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> they go, well, uh, but, but this. So it's like they couldn't even just concede the point that he was talking about people not speaking up in the face of evil or tyranny. And he talks about Hitler and the Germans who were against him. And there was a huge number of Germans who were against him. And they go, well, he won the election. He goes, well, the point is he's an evil man. Or, well, there were some people who stood up. Well, there weren't enough. Well, there might not have been enough. Can you shut the hell up, Whoopi? Seriously, can you shut your stupid mouth? Can we not all sit at a table and concede there weren't enough people who stood up against Hitler. Hitler was evil. Bad stuff happened. I can't picture a parallel universe in which any response to that statement, Whoopi Goldberg, is anything other than, yeah, right. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Instead, you feel you need to get into the, the underground Germans who opposed Hitler. And it's irrelevant to the point that he's making. But this is the issue with leftists. And this is another tactic that people don't like to acknowledge. It's the feathering out of a valid point. If there's a really, really valid point, and, and Dr. Ben Carson zoned in on one there, even though he sounded like a sloth on Xanax, he zoned in on that point. They can't let him stick that landing because they have a vested interest in the Democratic Party securing the nomination. We know that about The View. So they can't let him say, listen, not enough people stood up, about, stood up against Hitler and he was an evil man, and that was my point. They know it's a point that's going to resonate with Americans, so they can't let that point stand. So they have to bring up something that's largely irrelevant so they can sound pseudo-intellectual to somehow maybe discredit the argument that, well, there were kind of maybe enough. If Hillary Clinton came up, and made a statement, which is likely a lie. They would go, yes, yes, very true, very true, very true, yes, yes. I have a wealth of experience and many accomplishments as a strong woman outside of screwing a man who was screwing every intern in California who happened to be president. Oh, yes, yes, good point, yeah, good point, good, good point. I think that abortion should be free. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, <laughs> no comment from us. Hitler was a bad man, and he was able to be a bad man because not enough people stood up against him, and I think that's an important lesson to learn in history. Well, come on now, we're going to have to call you that. <laughs> Mom, a black person with a Jewish name. Uh, I just, uh, I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. I can't even. I cannot even. <sighs> Whoopi Goldberg. You've lost all Shares of you, <laughs> Serenity now! Serenity now! I'm just at that point. I'm just at that point with Whoopi Goldberg. We have another clip from Ben Carson and, and, uh, and Wolf Blitzer on the gun issue. He's been getting all kinds of flack from that. The issue is, again, it, what we're, the macro we want to focus on today is how the left tries to frame debates. How they try to tell you how you can argue. 
And nowhere else does this occur. Nowhere else does it occur. And it doesn't occur on the right. Here's one thing. I've always talked about this because it really is ignorant for a lot of conservatives to say, well, liberals are stupid. And it's just like it's ignorant for liberals to say, oh, conservatives are stupid or to think that all atheists are stupid or all Christians are stupid. If you go across all of those ideological and political walks of life, you'll probably find a pretty, pretty diverse intersect of IQs. Um, but seeing that liberalism, collectivism, is based on the interest of the collective compared to conservatism, constitutionalism, which is based around the central idea of the individual, I do think it's a fair generality uh, to presuppose that liberals are much more prone to groupthink. Good example. Let me kind of give you one here. Um, Barack Obama. Basically, junior senator, no experience, no one really knew anything about him, was entirely character and rhetoric, and the left didn't vet him at all, just were behind him, period. Didn't even try to, didn't matter. Donald Trump, very similar on the right. Very charming, charismatic, lots of rhetoric, not really a record, uh, not really a whole lot of substance, right? But uh, he, he's a populist. He says what a lot of people want to hear right now. So contrast that, Barack Obama virtually secures the nomination without any kind of, of questioning or criticism very easily. Donald Trump, on the right, he's only got about 20-something percent. He's not even close to a majority of conservatives. He's made all these waves, but there are enough conservatives, again, because of the individualism, who are going, well, hold, 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 hold on, I'm not on board with this. It's why the Republican Party, the conservative movement, will always be uh, more, I guess you'd say, sort of, fractioned, fractionated, I don't know. You'd always say a little more divided because you have, you have, I'm not talking about diversity here as far as we have a black guy, we got a chick, see? Look, 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 let's trot out Bernie Sanders and then let's trot out a black dude. What I'm saying is we have intellectual diversity. You have plenty of people, let's just look at the candidates. You've got Rand Paul, who's all about cannabis oil. You've got uh, Carly Fiorina, who believes that states have the right to legalize drugs. And then you have Jeb Bush, who doesn't believe they have the right at all. You have different views on gay marriage. You have different views on the tax code. All of that in the Republican Party. You've got two Latinos, a woman, and a black guy, some of whom are senators, some of whom are private sector experience, some of whom may have been governors. On the left, you have a bunch of old white people who have the exact same opinion. On every single issue, every single issue, all three Democratic candidates have the exact same opinions. And then you've got Barack Obama, who acts like an old white guy who has the same opinions with all of them. Oh, is that racist? Little bit, little bit, little bit racist. And it's okay, because I'm not a journalist. And I don't care if you're offended. Lotto with Crowder will be back after this with more racism and other jokes. But they fought with Whoa, Jared, what are you doing? Shoot back at With what? My AR-15. Where'd you get it? AR-15.com. Oh, there's another one. Kaboom. You got him. Yeah. Thank God for AR-15.com. They have AR-15 and accessories for sale and the best advice there is on the web. Oh, no, there's another one. Kaboom. You got him. Yeah. With your what? AR-15. From where? AR-15.com. That's the best place to go, and that's the takeaway, because this commercial's about to stop. Dancing in the studio like a couple of monkeys. Ra 
white monkeys. Us. Stop it. Stop it with your racist mind. Isn't that funny now that you can't, like, say, like, ah, oh, you goofy, you stop acting like a bunch of little monkeys. People are like, they, like, start looking through the crowd, like, is there a black person there? Were you making a racist comment? That's what my grandfather used to call us as kids, like, you know, ah, a little barrel, you barrel of monkeys. But it's like, thank God none of us had oh, yeah, any like kind of ethnicity Jumping on the bed or something like that? Something, yeah, monkeys yeah. jumping on the bed. Oh, my gosh, you can't tell that story can't anymore. That. Imagine that. Imagine a white that. adoptive parent. So now it's time for it's time for bedtime, kids. Let's tell you a story about Mungja. Uh, it's about elephants jumping. Oh, on, fat people on the uh, bed. Oh shoot! We have to dump this whole last. Shoot! Segment. Shoot! Crickets! Shoot! They play cricket in India, and India is a horrible country. We all know that, so we can't say anything. You know what? I was thinking this is this kind of connects. I was thinking about how difficult it must be for a detective to operate in 21st century politically correct America. You can't make assumptions based on anything. You're just a racist. The deceased, he was you <laughs> wearing black shorts. Okay, anything else you can tell me? He was about 5'11". Okay, and there seems to be some tooth decay. Was he black? He was black. <laughs> and it's like one of those things you just can't... I, I, I watch fighting in the UFC sometimes, and they're like, and of course we have John Jones in the red trunks, and Alexander Gustafson in the blue trunks. All right. Firstly, we were able to guess by the name. Okay, Gustafson is probably the 6'5 blonde Swede Viking. Secondly, <laughs> just say the black guy fighting the white guy. It's going to be the easiest way to delineate. It's unreal how politically correct we have to be with this. Now, now we were talking about this. You know, for example, if I were to say, Jared that black people in general are faster, more athletic, more explosive. Um, that's why you have the NBA, NFL, uh, of course, all track records ever. <laughs> uh, black, most people would agree, right? Secretly, yes. I don't think people find that even offensive. You know, white men can't jump. That's the name of a movie. Or can't dance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, if you were to say on the flip side, I was like, okay, we accept that. Now, if I say... Um, Asians, on average, have high, the highest IQs when it comes to test scores and score the highest on SATs. Most people accept that, right? They do. Most people accept that. Okay, so we've accepted higher than white people. So we've said, okay, it's good if we say black people are more explosive than general people. And we say Asians probably have IQs. But let's just change that. Asians have higher IQs than black people. Oh, my because it's just the contrast. It doesn't change anything. We just acknowledge that Asians have a higher IQ than the general society. Than me. You have more Asians who get into brown than I think like white people across the country who qualify. Get into Walmart. <laughs> it's just one of those things we just can't be honest about the differences, right? No. Unless it's, a po unless it's a positive. You know, on the flip side, on the flip side, if I were to say, you know, same thing. If I were to say, well, black people are stronger and more athletic than Asians. It's not really as offensive because Asians don't start a march. No. You know what I mean? But it's still, it's still the same truth. None of those things that I've said are changed at all. 
It's just the contrast of truths that people find offensive because you're allowed to say one and you're not allowed to say the other. And it doesn't mean that any race of person or ethnicity of person or is superior to anyone else. It means that we're different, just like men and women are different. But that's another thing. We want to blur the lines of gender. You're not supposed to talk about the differences between men and women. If I say, you know, if you say women are women are going to inherit the earth, women are stronger, the feminist rally, great. If I say actually women have lower IQs, oh my God! <laughs> Start a March. There are more men in prison. More men are violent than women. Absolutely. Men cause all the wars. Also, we're smarter than you. Holy crap. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? I don't know what we're yelling about. Men aren't smarter. All right. Let's go. So we'll talk. <laughs> it's one of those things. People are going to take this and they're going to say, Stephen said it. Blacks have low IQs and so do women. No, I didn't. I was talking about some truths that are the exact same when said in a different contrasting context that are no longer acceptable. Let's, let's remove any IQ. Let's go to athletic performance. Black people tend to be faster. They tend to be more explosive. They have those fast twitch muscle fibers, right? It's just a fact, okay? White people, sorry, you, that's the luck of the draw. Um, black people tend to be weaker. If you look at strong men, it's all it's all these Marowitz Pudinowskis and Jesse Marundes and all these giant Polish Vikings, Norwegians with fingers like sausages who can just carry a ton of weight. Now they're not gonna out sprint you. They're not gonna be the fastest or most explosive guy. That's where that's reserved for the black people, the track. But then it comes to the strongman competition, and when you get to the upper echelon, again, there's a bell curve. It tends to be people from a certain part of the country, for whatever reason, that Norwegian Viking bloodline for maximal strength. And there's a difference between maximal strength and power. Power is strength times speed. They don't tend to be the fastest people. I can't think of a Norwegian who set a track record like Usain Bolt. So even just in the realm of athletic performance, just physically. It's but if you say it, it's considered horrible and offensive. Same thing with women. You have breasts. We don't. Oh, my God. You can slap on an apparatus like Caitlyn Jenner. It's never going to work. It's never going to work for you. How much time? Well, we have to go. I was going to say we should talk about the, uh, the climate change thing because gay, not gay Jared was asking me about climate change during the break and kind of what it is that conservatives have a problem with. There are a few fundamentals, sort of precepts that you have to accept for the current condition of climate change legislation. So there is a difference, and I think it's important for conservatives to note that even if you're a conservative, let's say you're a scientist who is convinced by the science that climate change is occurring, there's nothing wrong with that. You could be wrong. There's a debate to be had. The real problem is that of legislation. And so there are a few, there are four things. Dennis Prager talks about, I think, two or three. But there are some that he doesn't talk about as far as legislation. There are a few steps that you have to accept to get to the point that the Sierra Club, that Barack Obama, that Hillary Clinton, when they're giving money to Solyndra, that they have to believe to justify that. And if any of these four things, if any of them are not 100% accurate, it's a huge waste of money. And of course, a violation of individual rights because you're taking someone's money to put it into something that you believe in ideologically. Um, I'd rather feed my family, not pay for your solar panels. It's crazy. It's crazy, I know. We're crazy here. We're just, that's what we are. Louder with Prouder. Stay tuned. We're crazy.
it's time for your daily haiku with Sensei Stereotype. Musa step three. Rabbit, run quickly. Bernie Sanders, crazy like a bad shit. This has been your daily haiku with Sensei Stereotype. Sensei Stereotype. I'm a Glad to be back here after the half hour. And we were talking before the break. Wouldn't it be annoying if I talked like this all the time? Wouldn't it be annoying if I didn't bring your microphone in? You sound like a slightly more annoying version of me. Sound like Gay Jared. Gay Jared. Sound like Gay Jared. Hey, you want to go out to the bar and be ambiguous? Hey, can, we, can we just, I mean, not Gay Jared. Not Gay Jared. Sorry, we, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, thought we I missed it. Talked about that. So, we were talking about this before the break. Climate change. You asked me. Ask the question for the audience. Well, I was just, I was asking, what is it specifically? I mean, I'm a conservative. I mean, I'm conservative, but it's not like a, playing devil's advocate to some degree. What is it conservatives have a problem with? Is it the idea of climate change in general? Or is it the idea of man-made climate change, the legislation? What is it specifically? Firstly, I, had, I have a problem with them. apparently marbles in your mouth. Because I could barely understand. You didn't enunciate at all. Uh, but... It's a good question. I get the gist. Get the gist. Uh, no, see, now what you just said, you get the gist. What you heard in your head was, you get the gist. What we heard was, mm, gif. Like, what? What did he say? Um, no, I think it's a valid question. And it's a question that a lot of people probably ask. So, we get, what's the end game, right? We have to get down to the end game, which is legislation. Uh, and that's what we believe with things like cap and trade. That's what we believe right now when you're talking about uh, Sierra Sierra Club, who Ted Cruz was debating, right? That's the end game. So to get there, you have to start with, okay, the earth is warming. You have to accept that 100%. It, that was accepted until, like we said, the pause, the 18 years where there's been no warming. Not even all scientists necessarily agree that the earth is warming. That's why they've changed it to climate change. They say, well, it's actually just more volatility of the temperatures. So let's change that now. Okay, the climate is getting more volatile. But really, it was global warming. So let's keep, keep it with warming. The Earth is warming. You have to accept that. Then you have to accept that men are the cause of it. It's man-made global warming. Even though we account for less than 1% of carbon emissions, when you, when you take into account animals, trees, the ocean, the sun. So it would be like a bolt on a rear hubcap to your car when your engine is broken. And instead of lifting the hood, you're like, I'm quite sure it's this bolt. On the back of this hubcap that's causing all the problems. I don't think it's that. Oh, you're right. Skunked again. The only problem is I put $18 trillion into fixing it. So you've got the earth is warming. Men are the cause of it. Then you have to believe, and Dennis Prager talks about this. Uh, though I take it a few steps further. You have to believe that it will have catastrophic results. You have to believe that it will destroy crops. That it will, <laughs> everything from destroy crops to creating a giant, easy-bake oven in which we all have to live to the fact that it hurts impoverished communities and urban areas. That's what they were arguing at the Sierra Club. So everything is now due to global warming. I forgot about that. Yeah. 
So you have to believe that actually poverty, global warming is affecting poverty, that actually women's health is affected by global So you have to accept all these things. So the earth is warming, it's man-made, and it'll have catastrophic results. So you have to accept those three things to then get to the step of, okay, we have to collectively do something about it, right? You have to accept those three things. Then it comes to, do you believe that this problem is so monumental, so cataclysmic, that we all have to join together and do something about it? So my final question is, why do you think the federal government would be able to solve that problem? You have to believe those first three things, and then you have to believe that the United States federal government is the only organization or entity efficient enough to stop man-made catastrophic global warming. Take your pick. Which one do you, if you have a problem with any of those, you have a problem with legislation on global warming. You can be someone who says, hey, I believe in global warming. I want to study it. Or you can even be someone who says, hey, you know, I believe in global warming. I think men are the cause of it. And I, you know what? Let's see what we can do about it. You can still believe all of those things and say, but listen, the federal government's not going to solve this. Putting an extra tax on gas is not going to solve this. Giving several billion dollars to a solar company that then goes under and squanders it, like Solyndra, is not going to solve this. You can be a leftist along the trail, someone who sold on all of those things, fine, I would disagree with you, but you can be one of those 97%. But then when it comes to, all right, we agree on all those things. How does the United States government stop or reverse global warming? Oh, fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. <laughs> That's the answer you get. And so they try and add something kind of collectively. Well, maybe if we taxed gas more, um, maybe if we invested more money in solar or wind, maybe if we uh, stopped fracking. These are just such small pieces of the puzzle when it comes to the environment. And when you take into account cow farts, that's such a huge thing, the methane from cows. And that's why, you know, the vegans are, we're against factory farming because of all the emissions. Well, there's more trees than ever, too, right now. There are more trees than ever because of factory farming. People don't like to accept that, but because you can yield 10 times the amount from an acre, um, yeah, we do have far fewer smaller family farms, but factory farms, big farms, actually allow us to have more forestry. A lot of, you know, when you drive out, towards the rural areas here in Michigan, and you're like, gosh, there's just so much country and there's so many trees. That was all farmland because everyone had their own farm not too long ago with the agricultural revolution and with the industrial revolution, they didn't really need it. Not saying those are all good things or bad things. What I am saying is people just don't want to accept, they don't want to acknowledge the reality that technology is the way out of global warming if it's a catastrophic problem. Um, it's not the government. You know, there's nothing more incentivizing to fix a problem than necessity. If we're actually running out of oil, who do you think? You, you, the same people who you believe are evil profiteers off of oil. And then you say, peak oil, we're running out of oil. Who do you think will be the first people, the very first people to figure out a new alternative source of energy if we're actually running out of oil? You think it might be the people who are going to go bankrupt if we run out of oil? You think they might, I mean, they diversify their portfolio everywhere else, right? They hedge their hedge funds. They literally hedge their bets financially. You don't think they're going, listen, man, we're actually out of oil. Don't worry. We're going to lie about it this entire time publicly, but let's try and figure out electric, solar, something like that. You know, the technology, the evolutions, have, they've come from Tesla, the Prius, 
It's a horrible car. It seems like every jackass who can't drive on the road got together and said, we're going to drive a Prius. That's my problem with the Prius. It handles like crap. And the people who drive it have no idea. How but to I heard they come with a poodle and a latte. They do come with a poodle and a latte. Free. No, no. They come with a poodle and a flat white. Flat white. Flat white. Just say that because you know that's what I get. It's <laughs> <Piece> a <of> crap. <laughs> there is nothing gayer than going in and ordering a soy latte. No, 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 no. I would challenge you. Not gay Jared orders a flat white. Delicious. He likes his Fantastic. he likes his drinks how he likes his men, women. Flat and white. So Twinks, we call them. I bet you there was a Twinkie-flavored latte. That would be delicious. That would sell. I bet you that would sell like hotcakes. Beefcakes, in your preference. Beefcakes. Jared likes the beefcakes. So th does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. I think so. And that's one of those things is, is if you take people down that trail, they are the ones, leftists are the ones when it comes to climate change and certainly proposed legislation. They are the ones in the position uh, of having to defend their absolute truths because all i'm saying is well i'm not entirely sure that if the world is warming that we're the main cause of it and i'm really not entirely convinced that the united states government could fix a problem that monumental well, as you see even with what i've had noticed and was pretty obvious to me is just the way they slip in all these initiatives and agendas under the guise yes. of and that was the funniest one was this one with with ted cruz what was it the, underprivileged uh, minorities, something like that. As it relates to climate change. Well, that's a big thing that people don't want to talk about, too. I mean, we work at, right with Lada with Crowder, and we're totally transparent about this. If there's something trending politically, that's going to get our attention. So if something is trending, whether it's a, whether it's a, a proposed legislation, whether it's Barack Obama politicizing a shooting, right? If that's the top trend on Twitter or the top trend on Facebook, we're going to go, hey, we have an opinion on this issue, but let's tie it into something that everyone is talking about right now. Let's use the system to subvert the system. Everyone's talking about Obama's comments on school shootings. So instead of saying, here are some statistics on public shootings, we tie it to, right? Here's why Barack Obama in his speech is wrong about statistics and public shootings. And you, you tie it into that. That's the way media works. You tie it into what is topical. That's how you get views. That's how you get listens. That's how you get traffic. Now, there's, there's a, a line there where some people just want to lie to get traffic, you know, or they want to only post positive about a specific candidate to get traffic. And that's something we don't do. But tapping into trends is important. The same thing can happen in the scientific community. If I want to study... Um, for example, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, allegedly non-homosexual coffee drinkers and their, uh, caffeine ingestion patterns of flat whites, right? I'm going to no, get out of here. But if I say I want to study homosexual, allegedly non-homosexual, uh, coffee drinking patterns in relation to global warming changes, oh, well now I think we've got something here. <laughs> We've got a great just for you. I want to study the sloth's migration patterns. No. I want to study the sloth's migration patterns as they've changed in relation to global warming. Well, listen, you think they've changed? Well, we, we got to find out because of global warming. Yeah, here's a grant. Get back to us with that. So it forces everyone to play the game. Yeah, just like, just like media. Even if you don't buy into it, you have to play the game to survive yes, at this point. exactly. You have to play that game, and that does happen in the scientific community. And you know where else it happens, too, is in college. People don't understand this, why college is so expensive. There's so much money on the table from the federal government in the form of grants and scholarships. You have to 
I mean, you can't compete if you're not taking those grants or scholarships. There are very few. There's Hillsdale College. There are a couple of private institutions that don't take any kind of money or do any kind of grants or scholarships. But think about it. There's a grant for underprivileged uh, minorities for, I don't know, you know, to get into college with based on a certain amount of scores um, who can't afford it. Okay, if your college is $4,000, well, that's deemed affordable. You say, but there's this grant for $20,000 to make it up if they can't pay the $20,000. Well, I'm going to make the tuition $20,000 to get that grant from the government because this is money on the table. You know, we have the, we have the new gender queer tranny grant for uh, people with uh, rubber penises who are underprivileged and can't afford tuition. Well, good thing we don't really need it because tuition's only $4,000. It's only $3,000. Ah, uh, well, you know, that doesn't qualify for the grant. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How much does this tranny need to be able to not afford? Well, there needs to be a gap of $20,000 per semester. They, whoa, gosh, it's crazy. Our price just went up from $4,000 a semester <laughs> to $24,000. So little transgender uh, Jenner, you're going to pay the 4000 Government, you're going to give us a $20,000 grant. Now, uh, now we're, we're better off. We are a stronger collegiate community for having done this. That's the thing that people understand. Anytime you get the government involved, it manipulates markets. It manipulates... Uh, it, it, it manipulates... You just can't compete. It's like Ezra Levant was talking. You can't compete with that. You can't compete with a never-ending supply of federal funds, just like the, the UAW and GM. And you have these morons, I'm sorry, in Detroit. And I know people listening here don't feel that way. Who are like, well, you know, they're, they're shutting down. Well, they're living up on Wall Street. They're shutting Detroit down. They should shut Detroit down. You can't compete with never-ending bailouts. Hyundai, Kia, Ford, other American car companies that don't exist yet deserve to come up and take that market share. And guess, guess who that helps? You, me. The middle class. We get iPhones. We get cars with air conditioning and Bluetooth. Lotter with Crowder. We'll be back after this. Oh, hey, Lyle. Didn't see you there. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just relaxing and enjoying my 1978 Bordeaux, a fine beverage, after a fine game of racquetball at the Wimbledon. There's no more quality establishment than the Wimbledon, you know. That sounds fun. I don't really know a whole lot about wine. That's why I go to SimplifiedWine.com. Or I just call their number. What's that number, Jared? 844-297-WINE. Oh, where'd he come from? His voice aggravates me. I have him chained to a caravan. For simpletons like me who don't know a whole lot about wine, just what I like, it makes it easy. I either get to call, go to the website, talk with a sommelier, list what I like, what I don't like, my budget, and can have it shipped directly to my door or gift-wrapped and sent to a friend. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Simplified wine, you say? I prefer more of a barrier to entry. <laughs> I know you do, Lyle, but you're an elitist bastard. That's why for simpletons like me, I prefer simplifiedwine.com or just calling 844-297-WINE. We will party hard. Oh, Andrew WK. We should do all of our songs, Andrew WK, in the morning. 
He's a cool guy, good music. He's a cool guy, good music. We've had him on the show. He's incredibly intellectual. And, um, you know, I think it's important that we, uh... Oh, oh, breaking news. This is breaking news louder with Crowder. I'm Perry Matheson. Earlier this week, Rupert Murdoch's comments on Ben Carson being a real black man spawned controversy and further investigation by one Sean King, who did, through his investigation, discover that Ben Carson is, in fact, a son to both a Caucasian father, mother, and Sean King himself is actually totally black. I'm Perry Malcolm. Damn. I didn't know that. I did not know that. He pulls it off really well. I'm surprised. He must have a great tanning bed. It's a really good one. Ben Carson's really white, Sean, King, Sean King's black. My world is upside down. I don't know what to make of it. It's like, I feel like it's War of the Worlds. We should just jump out that window. That's, that's a story, though. Is that a, is that a bomb you've got? Oh, this? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a clock. Oh, okay. Clock. Did you just put yeah. the clock in a suitcase? Yeah. How the hell would you do that? It's a travel clock. Oh, it's a travel clock. No, that makes sense. Um, so we've got the Ben Carson thing here. It's funny, Rupert Murdoch got under... You've heard about this, right? I have. It's hilarious. Rupert Murdoch tweeted out that Ben and Candy Carson, terrific. What about a real black president who can properly address the racial divide and much else? Okay, here's the thing. Rupert Murdoch is... is uh, it was unintelligent for him to say that just because if I say that, like the horrendous racist crap that we've said on this show time and time again and transphobic and homophobic and anti-woman... Um, and particularly the Chech. Oh, I forgot about the Chech until the story came out this week. I am I'm an unabashed... It's definitively the worst. There's nothing worse than the Chech. <sighs> Just thinking about it. Look, my hand... Can you see my hands? They're, They're shaking. shaking. They're shaking. They're shaking because of the damn Chech. So we're aware of it. Like, it's not lost on me that I'm a jerk. Rupert Murdoch has no self-awareness. He didn't realize tweeting this out would... That, that's kind of my issue where that's a little bit of a liability. But you know what? He's correct. I want to say real black president. It's the guy who has black parents, was raised by them, uh, raised in black communities, not the guy who was raised by his white grandmother. In Hawaii. Mother. Hawaii, Barack Obama. No, Kenya, didn't you know? He was born in Kenya. Kenya. He was born in Kenya. Of course, we're not birthers. People the truth take is, that. Ben Carson's narrative coincides with a lot more of black America. Yeah, absolutely. It resonates probably more with more people than what Barack Obama He's probably did. also operated on more black people, so he knows how they think. He does know how they think. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing he, knows is, how, he knows how everyone thinks. The thing is about the black man, when you go in and you perform surgery in the brain, you realize that the synapses are... Oh! <laughs> Get excited! You're going to Disney World, Ben Carson! Well, the thing about Space Mountain is that when you actually think about the Damn it! <laughs> Carson! Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, ah! Uh, ah! Uh. It's rough. It's almost, as, rough. it's almost as frustrating as the Chech. Almost. Did you see the, uh, the headline from Salon about the... Roof? You just want to lure Carson out. Like, man, like... Like I, he doesn't back it, he doesn't back off, and I love that. But it's like, just come in here, ready. Just warriors come out to play. Exactly. 
be a warrior. Come out to play, Carson. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Sorry, what were we saying about Salon? Did you see their uh did you see their headline about the Murdoch deal? The headline literally, literally literally reads the one racist tweet that says everything about Fox News and how Republicans look at race. Written by a pedophile. Written by a pedophile. <laughs> It's just it's so hilarious. I mean, even if, even if I, I'm not saying I disagree or agree with what he said. I don't know what his real intention was, if he was trying to be a racist ass or not. No, he wasn't but, trying to be racist. But even if he was or wasn't, it's just hilarious that they would just, I mean, could you imagine yeah. the headline, the one terrorist tweet that says everything you need to know about Muslims. He's, the one tweet. Just cap. And you just open up. It's just a all of Muslim America. We should do that, and we should do an entire post around that, and then people go to the tweet, and let's just create a profile for Muhammad, and it's just Muhammad's last words. Muhammad's last words. <laughs> That's the tweet. Okay. Kill well, the Jews is, and the Christians. This is the same news outlet whose next column was called F. Ben Carson. Not F. It's just, yeah, no, we're, we're censoring creative. They're getting creative. It. They're getting very creative with their titles. Written by, written by pedophile. Written by pedophile. Yes, Salon is the website where pedophiles should be understood, but Rupert Murdoch deserves no mercy or forgiveness. Here's the issue with Rupert Murdoch. I understand what he was trying to do. He was kind of doing what we were talking about earlier in the program to disrupt the narrative, right? He's trying to draw attention to Barack Obama, a black guy. Conservatives are old white men. He's trying to draw attention to that, right? To disrupt the narrative. Here's the problem. Rupert Murdoch's not funny. When you, he's funny looking. He is bizarre he's, looking. He's funny looking. He's kind of Mr. Burns-esque. When you have spent your whole life, and this is what conservatives have done, and this is why we're so behind on the scorecards. When you've spent your whole movement grandstanding and feigning offense, and, oh, we need to be outraged by this, uh, people assume that everything you do sort of centers around that mindset. And that's why you have someone like John Stewart who gets away with things or Bill Maher that conservatives could never get away with. And conservatives go, well, why can he get away with it? Well, because they're funny and you're not. So if you always opt for the grandstanding before the punchline, you're going to lose. And so Rupert Murdoch has always been grandstanding. He's always been up there. He's always been going, you know, this is this is how things have to be. And this is what's unjust. But he's never been funny. And so when he says something here that's designed to disrupt the narrative to sort of point out irony... Well, you don't have a history of pointing out irony, and certainly not in a way that's palatable. So what he said is absolutely correct. Listen, Ben Carson, by every measurable barometer, is more black than Barack Obama by his upbringing, by his cultural uh, sort of experiences, and certainly by the melanin in his skin. Barack Obama doesn't even pass the cardboard box test. He's, I'm, when I get tan, I'm blacker than Barack Obama on a purely physical level. But people always say, well, that guy's not black enough. Well, with Ben Carson, you don't really have that argument. Regardless of whether he's the best candidate, he is the blackest candidate. And that's the point they were making to point out that conservatives aren't all racist. We'll come back after this. Uh, Courtney Kirchhoff coming up. This Week in Feminism. Oh, 
happy to be back in this third hour, making, of course, our producer at Wham, our wonderful Detroit Ann Arbor affiliate Derek, horribly uncomfortable, here with me in my studio, as always, is uh, not gay, Jared. Appreciate that. Good. I'm glad you appreciate it. I appreciate your appreciation. I uh, appreciate your appreciation's appreciation of me. Time to shut up, because we're going to go to Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Guns and Nazi Germany. You're familiar with this is Wolf Blitzer trying to corner sentences from the book. German citizens were disarmed by their government in the late 1930s, and by the mid-1940s, Hitler's regime had mercilessly slaughtered six million Jews and numerous others whom they considered inferior. Through a combination of removing guns and disseminating deceitful propaganda, He's the Nazis from were ben able Carson's, to carry out uh, their evil intentions book. with relatively little resistance. So what is the what is the point you're trying to make if if there had been guns in that you're Germany, a retarded person there might Wolf. not have been a holocaust my, my point is they were that was only one of the countries that I mentioned there were a number of countries where tyranny reigned and before it happened they disarmed the people that was the point Noah Webster said when he was talking about tyranny that the people of America would never suffer tyranny because they are armed so but just clarify if if there had just been did. No gun control uh, laws in Europe at that time. Would six million Jews have been slaughtered? I think the likelihood of look at Switzerland Hitler being able to accomplish his goals would have been greatly diminished if the people had been armed. Because they. There you go. Is that a, is that a? It, it's not quite a mic drop because Wolf. People still think like, this is really stupid. That's a perfect example from the left, right? They go, well, just listen to Ben Carson's comments. What about Ben? The question to that, dear listener, is. What about Ben Carson's Answer. comments? And then, again, they, you sit just ask him. Throw it, throw it right back to them. What about Ben Carson's comments? Right? Okay. What about Ben Carson's comments? Go ahead. Answer. Crickets. Oh, fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. We're just supposed to accept that his comments are asinine. Well, of course he was wrong. If the German populace was armed, it would have had a precisely zero effect on Hitler. Are you functionally retarded? I mean, here's the thing is, look at Switzerland. Switzerland had two things going for them, right? People talk about just remain neutral, like Switzerland. Switzerland had two things going for them. Mountainous regions, they had geography, and an entirely armed populace. That's why Hitler avoided Switzerland like the plague. Said, well, you know what? Let's, let's hit them last. Let's, let's avoid that. We don't want to be going into a country where we have to be driving our panzers over their mountains. Also, some Swiss miss with a hot chocolate tin can can blow us away with her hunting rifle. That's probably not the best place to start. Well, let's go into France. They're pansies. That's what happened. So do we know that Hitler wouldn't have happened if German citizens were allowed to have guns? Do we know that these giant evil regimes, or like the English Empire, that they wouldn't have expanded if they didn't implement complete gun bans? No, we don't know it. But we can guess. And it's certainly not an unreasonable guess. You know, Jared, you talked about this this week. You said, some of these kids, people our age... And by people our age, I mean, I'm, you know, talking anywhere from 20s, 30s, early 40s, 20s and 30s, let's say, they need a war in their backyard. They've never had that. Mm -hmm. 
You were talking about that, right? Growing up, that you just you said when nine eleven happened. Well, I talked talk about growing up. I always had this idea that America was the biggest and best when it come when it came to any kind of defense. That I never had to worry about a war in my backyard, and it was a it was a right. comforting thought. And I don't think, you know, sometimes I think people, you know, we had nine eleven, but and that still I think is forgotten by a lot of people, but especially if you look back at like Pearl Harbor, that was became a reality. People like, holy crap, there could be right. bombs dropped in my backyard tomorrow if we don't have the right kind well, a, of a big difference, too, between Pearl Harbor and 9-11 is Pearl Harbor happened, you know, World War II was going, we weren't getting involved, and we knew that this was just happening over in Europe and that it was falling to this giant mega power who we knew was likely evil. And then, boom, what we tried to avoid was on our shore. And these were people who were a threat to the world. I think even with 9-11, people just thought, oh, it's a bunch of rogue terrorists. We're going to go beat the hell out of them and call it a day. Uh, there's an ideological war now against mm -hmm. Western ideals, against Christian Western ideals from Islam. So it's a little bit different, and I think people don't appreciate it. I don't think people my age can even picture what a world, world war would look like. I think it's kind no. of like it's something left for the movies, something kind of in history, something that's like you don't really think it's like we're – it's this idea that we're past somehow right. the idea of China going to war with us or Russia or, Russia or yeah. if North Korea ever, I don't know, makes anything. If they got anything cool. more than a Roman candle. More Roman candles. <laughs> and those little pop, you know, those little, little the 4th of July pop snap things. Yes. They just, I, think, I think just load a bunch of those up into a, a little capsule, launch it over. Hey, Kim, can you get some cherry bombs? No, they don't sell no more. <laughs> Too bad a fire hazard. I light a Roman candle. Stand back, stand back. I know one guy, he rules a farm with Roman candle. Look at my army. It's a horrible. It's so bad. I can't do accents to save my life. It's so bad. But yeah, it's true. And it's just even look at Red Dawn in the 80s where that was like the Russians came by, right? And so it was, it was immensely successful. It was this idea of the Russians and these kids fighting back, Wolverines. Then they remade it just a couple of years ago. And it actually wasn't a bad film as far as a remake, uh, and they did it in Detroit, of course, and needed to look for a post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> so Detroit is where they go. RoboCop, anywhere you want to shoot a post-apocalyptic nightmare, you go to Detroit. But they had to change it to uh, the Chinese, and then because the Chinese film market was so significant, they changed it to the North Koreans. And oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that, I've seen that. So it just wasn't super believable. The North Koreans came here and caused it just... So it didn't really do that well, because you don't have a mindset among the public that there still is the need to preserve and protect your nation. I think there's there's something that's fundamentally different that I've noticed between conservatives and leftists is that this idea, this value placed on independence and self-reliance. And you want that, I've discovered that you want that not only as a personal level, you want the ability to provide for yourself, to protect yourself. Right. But also as a country, to be independent. Right. And, and you, you live in Sweden. You don't have that. You're kind of just at the mercy of whoever comes along and wants your crap. Right. And that's, that's why many conservatives don't think we should be a part of the UN. They don't help us. I would agree. <laughs> they want to punish us. A good example is we talk about this. Um, you know, obviously with Louder with Crowder, I, I own the site and I employ you. And we have people like Courtney and Brody. And all of you are providing a very valuable service, right? When people say the United States national defense is out of control, they don't. They spend more than Switzerland, Sweden, Germany. These are all free countries with better. Yeah, but they can do it because we burden that. We burden protection of the free world. Does it sound elitist? Sure. When it comes to military might, we are. 
I own louderwithcrowder.com, and I have writers, and you all provide very valuable services. Now, that being said, you know we've had to replace people um, who ultimately were replaceable. We've had to do that, where they had to go on or move on to something else, and okay, we find someone else. Not saying you're replaceable, though you're fired, but what I am saying is if I had to, we could find someone else to, to help provide that service. It doesn't take away the value. Difference is if I go away, none of you are employed. The business ceases to be. That burden falls on my shoulders, a and the risk does. And so the revo reward will also be reaped by me. The burden to protect the free world falls squarely on the United States. You can choose Sweden. You can choose Canada to not spend a lot on your national defense. You can choose to have a, a military that would actually rather bring in sausages and beer than actually fight a war, Germany. You can choose to have a laughable military and a workforce where 50% of able-bodied men don't work Sweden. And the reason you can choose to do that is because the United States bears that burden for all of you. Period. Without the United States, Canada doesn't exist. Nowhere in Europe do they exist anymore. And yeah, you can go back in history and say, well, they saved your butt in World War II. Well, sure, okay, absolutely, that's fine. But there's never been a nation in the history of the world who could literally take, take anything they wanted and they don't. So when people say the United States is a war for oil and they're an evil empire, I'm going, you don't know what an evil empire looks like. An evil empire is Canada ceases to exist, Sweden ceases to exist, certainly all of these at Greece, Oh my gosh. Do you think we'd want Mexico? I don't think we'd want Mexico. I don't think we want. I think you just you just I think that's like bartering ships for something better. Yes. Overseas somewhere. Yeah, what you do is you use Mexico to fool some Western European countries into giving themselves up like oh, so I'll tell you what, we'll trade you Mexico for double Quincy's no races. Ah crap. Ah, they just show up. I'm like, well, you got Cancun, you got a booze cruise out of the deal. And the same thing, you know, people forget that President Bush, not a huge fan of him in a lot of respects, but he was a wartime president. He had the highest approval rating of any president ever after 9-11 because he was a wartime president. And even then with 9-11, even though it wasn't as shocking as Pearl Harbor, when people feel, hey, we need to protect our country, you want a leader, you want a man there. And the truth is, you talked about this like in, in The Dark Knight, um, Commissioner Gordon, they said he's a war hero and it's a peacetime. Generally speaking... When peace follows war, the war hero is vilified, historically, and he's not appreciated. Because people can't even put themselves back in that mindset of being in wartime. So a lot of people crap on him, and I, I have so many problems with so many expansions of government that he put into place. But, uh, you know, the guy had a tough go, George Bush, and um, he was a wartime president. And no one appreciates what he did do right, simply because we have the luxury of not being in war. So I think it's a good point from Not Gay Jared. A lot of people, they need a war in their backyard to realize how fragile it is. Courtney Kirchhoff, after the break, we need some estrogen. Welcome to Cool News. News with a super cool approach. I am your host, Feel cool. This week, Dr. Ben Carson came under fire with. Oh, damn, man. Hey, Peter, this cough is awful, man. Is that. That damn Maxwell house? Yeah. You know, I don't want no damn Maxwell house here in the green room. I can't drink. That's awful. Yeah. You gonna get me some different coffee, man? P no. P Ray, come on. 
Damn, that is. You spitting this too? Yeah. Hey, Pedro. Glad to be back. We missed uh, Courtney Kirchhoff. We couldn't get her on the line. I don't know what her deal is. I don't know what her deal is, but I think that means that she is fired, kids. Uh, brilliant contributor over here to louderwithcrowder.com, where you can go and read some of her wonderful columns. Hey. 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 Hey, y'all. Hey, good Jared. Yes. Do you remember that Not student good. diversity good. advisor? Good. We talked about her, who uh, tweeted do. out, kill all white men. Yes. Classy gal. Yeah, she's been charged. Really? Here's the thing, and a lot of people come out and go, free speech. I defend free speech. Death threats are murky. Death threats aren't quite as clear cut. So this was a student adversity advisor. Her name was Bahar Mustafa. Student union diversity advisor. Sorry, let me get this correct. And she tweeted out, kill all white men. This was in Northeast London. 28-year-old from Edmonton in Northeast London. Uh, she sent out this message that we should kill all white men. So now she is being uh, uh, charged. They're, I guess, investigating. Here's one thing here. Now, obviously, I don't think you should necessarily be prosecuted. Kill all white men as a hashtag doesn't necessarily equate to a death threat. couple of questions. What if Bahar Mustafa tweeted, kill all black people? This happened in London. Had this happened in America, I think she would have been invited to the White House. Um, what if Bahar Mustafa, who tweeted out kill all white people, had not been named Bahar Mustafa in the first place? What if she was named, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Stephanie Wilson. Tweeting out kill all black people. Probably wouldn't have done that well. Also, something to note. If we actually did kill all white people, losers like Bahar Mustafa would likely no longer have anyone with enough self-guilt who'd be willing to employ her as a student union diversity officer. I hate the human race. I'm not a racist unless you count hating the human race, which is not very Christian of me. It's not. It's not a good thing to say. I don't hate the human race. I'm tired of it. I've got, I, sometimes you just get exhausted with stories like these. This is what we have it up on Lotter with Crowder. First off, a student union diversity advisor. As far as I'm concerned, either diversity should or occur or it doesn't. It's something that occurs organically. If diversity is so great, you don't need it to be advised. You don't need the government to step in and demand it. It will happen. So I don't even know what an advising goes. These, these are around campuses all, all across the world, not only the United States, but here in the UK, diversity advisors. So parents, if you're sending your kids to school, you should find out what that means. Is that, hey, we don't have enough black guys on this floor at the dorm? Is it we need some transgenders to even this whole uh, cis privilege out? It's a term that's fluid by their own definition, right? Gender fluid. Everything's fluid. Diversity 
that's the crazy thing about uh, campuses, and I think Larry Schweikart made this point, maybe it was Adam Baldwin, that on university campuses and among the left, they push and they advise for all different forms of diversity except the one that matters, that of intellectual diversity. Do you think that this union diversity advisor is saying, hey, wait, hold on a second, here at this East London University, we don't have enough conservatives. Wait, hold on a second. We don't have anyone here in this school who is a constitutionalist staying in these dorms. We need to get more points of view from that. No, because that requires a trigger. All diversity is allowed except for intellectual diversity among the left. Speaking of which, Gwyneth Paltrow, we have some more stories here. We'll get back to Ben Carson, I think, because there's so much that he did this week. He's been making the rounds and he's pulling ahead in front of Trump. Trump's yesterday's news. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is doing this thing. For those of you who don't know, this is this is the woman who names her kid Apple, um, who divorces her husband and says that it's good for her children. This is the woman who wants to help the every mom and in her cooking book writes about dinners with lobster and morel mushrooms that only comes out to a price tag of $115 because treat yourself. So she also worshipped Barack Obama, literally worshipped him. But she has a net worth of $140 million, Gwyneth Paltrow. This is where feminism is going. And she complained about it. She said, look, nobody's worth more than money than Robert Downey Jr. is worth. Uh, and if I told you the disparity, you would probably be surprised. Again, we're ta- this is kind of the common thread of the program today, is an assumed premise that we all have to agree with. If I told you the disparity, you'd be surprised. What does that assume? It assumes that they're equal and one is being paid more solely because he's a man. Let me tell you something, Gwyneth Paltrow. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. You know why? Because no one says about Iron Man... Hey, I hear that Gwyneth Paltrow is moving in the role as Pepper. Very few people say, I want to go see the new Gwyneth Paltrow film. They do about Robert Downey Jr. Now keep in mind, he's been acting since before you've even entered the industry. Or when people complained that Jennifer Lawrence didn't make as much as Robert Downey Jr. Um, Robert Downey Jr. has been acting since before Jennifer Lawrence was born. But again, this is what the left does. They assume the premise. They assume that, just so you know, Jared, we need to turn around the monitor for me. Uh, they assume that, that, that everything else is equal. The only difference is gender. The only difference is that of sex. We know that's not true. We know that's the case, but they just want you to accept it and assume it. Well, listen, Robert Downey only makes more than Gwyneth Paltrow, not because she's unlikable, not because she's unlikable, untalented, unattractive, and works less, but because she has breasts. That's what they want you to believe. And that's what, whether it's climate change, uh, I go with the 97%. It's assumed that, of course, the 97% agree with the head of Sierra Hills, even though he can't point to it. It's assumed that, of course, you're a racist if you're a conservative. It's assumed that, well, what about Ted Cruz? It's assumed he's stupid. It's assumed that Gwyneth Paltrow is being treated unfairly because she's a woman. There couldn't be any other reason that Robert Downey Jr. makes more than Gwyneth Paltrow. It's assumed that kill all white men is acceptable because of their systematic oppression of minorities, so it's okay because it's about systems of power. It's assumed that conservatives are sexist and that feminism inherently has the moral high ground. And if you, the point is, if you're going to argue or you're going to have a discussion with anyone from the opposite side of the political spectrum, don't let them assume. 
don't let them frame that in. Call them on it. Speaking of calls, we'll try and get Courtney on. Lotto with Crowder. Stay tuned. Jared, what are you doing? Shoot, bad guys. With what? My AR-15. Where'd you get it? AR-15.com. Oh, there's another one. Kaboom. You got him. Yeah. Thank God for AR-15.com. They have AR-15 and accessories for sale and the best advice there is on the web. Oh, no, there's another one. Kaboom. You got him. Yeah. With your what? AR-15. From where? AR-15.com. That's the best place to go, and that's the takeaway, because this commercial's about to stop. I'm a dude. So glad to be back. We had some issues going on with uh, the text. We have a whole new studio built up. So we have a few issues, but we did manage to get her on the phone. And this is actually one of uh, one of our best writers over at Louder with thecrowder.com. There's no the. Um, so we're going to bring her on. Let's just start bringing her on. Because everyone needs a theme song. Courtney Kirchhoff, because we thought it was feminine. The song? Yeah, I don't know. Aw. Stop- I would have preferred the the Stormtrooper Darth Vader. Oh, that would have been score. better. That's true. Yeah. Next I don't, time. I don't know. Next time. We assumed you wanted something peppy because you're a dame. Oh, oh that's so sweet. <laughs> Broad generalizations are kind of our thing here. Yes, exactly. Stereotypes? Yes, you have breasts, therefore you like happy things. Well, um, sometimes. Sometimes. It's true. Well, Stalker Jim was an easy one to figure out. Yours was a little bit tougher. So, Courtney, you've, you're you there on the West Coast. And, yeah, it's uh, dark here. Well, it's dark here, too, mainly because of Gay Jared's soul. I thought we, I not, we talked about... Not okay, Gay Jared. I appreciate that. Not Gay Jared. So we've been writing about a lot of stuff, Courtney, this week. What, what, what to you is like, what has stood out? Is it that it's the week of Ben Carson? Ben Carson is an unstoppable train, and anyone who gets in his way just gets blown over, but with feathers. Like, they don't even know that they've been creamed, and they don't even know that they've been had so hard. They just probably walk away going, wow, that Ben Carson, he's a nice guy. And they don't realize that they've essentially been sexually accosted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For lack of a better word. It's subtle and almost, it could be mistaken for love. It can always be mistaken for love. You know what it's like? It's like Lena Dunham the next morning where she said her friend was like, I think you were raped. She's like, you think I was raped? <laughs> you're like, I totally think so. I, really? That's what I think. You think, you think Wolf Blitzer's waking up in a world of regret? Today? Yeah. Today? I think he's regretting. I think he's a lot of regret. Did we just make you horribly even... uncomfortable, Courtney? Are you okay with this? With the, the rape jokes? Yes. Yeah. They don't bother me. All right. Yeah, Cancer jokes, rape jokes. Yes. Also kind of our trademark thing. Yeah, AIDS jokes. AIDS jokes are if you can fit an AIDS joke in there along with a gluten-free joke, you're just you're banging on all cylinders. You've offended half of population Earth. Uh, when you're talking about the Ben Carson train, is it a black train? Ooh, like powered with coal? 
don't what know. What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? Huh? That's my question to you. Cause... I think it's more of a high-speed rail that goes... Oh, come on. Finish. There's yeah. no way Ben Carson is a high-speed rail. He's the exact opposite of that. He has, he has yeah. no... He, he's he's uh, slower than you this morning with uh, less than two cups of coffee. <sighs> you know that... He's like, like if we're gonna use an analogy, he's he's like the turtle in the hair, and you know Trump is the is the hair. He's he's running and he's running hard and he's got all the energy and everyone thinks, oh yeah, he's great, he's gonna win. And then Ben Carson just keeps chugging along at his own pace. I hate that story, and let me tell you why I hate that story. The moral to the story is not slow and steady wins the race, Courtney. The moral to the story is if you're in the middle of a heated race with a strong lead, don't take a nap. <laughs> who made that a brilliant part imagine if that was espn now the tortoise afterwards like the post race the hair they're asking him, hey what do you think uh you know you, you what do you think happened there well you know what Stuart? i was i was in the lead i thought i was doing pretty well and then um coming around that last corner you know probably could have done without the nine hours of rem sleep i believe that's where i lost the most ground no the moral of the story is don't be an arrogant poop face this the, is true. the hair the hair thought oh i've got this I'm going to win. I've got it. I don't need to worry about it. Nobody's going to beat me. I'm the best. And then they here took that nap. I just, <laughs> I just, I mean, I still go with the nap. I'm going to be, I'm going to be totally literal about it. Do okay. not take a nap in the middle of a race. And that's the crazy thing though, is uh, Ben Carson seems like the kind of guy who would take a nap, like in the middle of the debate. He just seems like he's nodding off. And we've talked about that. I think for a while I interpreted that as as sort of weakness, but then when you actually listen to what he's saying, he doesn't back off his statements. He just he just stands in them in a very sort of he's like he's like he's like like mush. Like you can break a stone, but you can keep pounding Ben Carson, and you just can't break the mush. Well, I, he's not a great debater. No. Um. But look. If this if this race had been going on 200 years ago or 100 years ago before television, he would be in the lead. He would be in the lead. Ted Cruz would be in the lead because ideas would matter more than your your appearance on television. Unfortunately, that's just reality right now. I don't now. know. I don't know. I, I understand your point, but if you look at back like Teddy Roosevelt or Lincoln, I mean, they were real badasses. They were really firm. That was always kind of a really important quality was people had to feel confident. They didn't have to be so sort of manipulative of the media and just throwing out bombs, but they had to seem really strong. That was a, just kind of a prerequisite for male leadership. Yeah, but they were strong on, on character. They didn't just rely on their media charm. Yes. So Teddy Roosevelt was a big game. I mean, he, he was a big game hunter. He would make the dentist that killed Cecil the lion just look like a piker. He would have called him so, a piker. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was a genuine badass. He, he killed, I mean, I don't approve of killing animals like that, but he did and he hunted them. And Wait, why don't you approve of killing animals like that? The big game hunting? Yeah. Because I'm an animal lover. That's stupid. <laughs> that's silly I'm, goofy dum-dum talk what are you talking you need to come on you're so ra give me a better rationalization than you like cuddly things cuddly things that would rip your face off by the way well i don't so i wouldn't do it i i couldn't take down an animal with a gun or a bow and arrow or a knife i have no problem with other people doing it if they're going to use it if they're going to 
eat the meat. Um, if it's just to mount it on your wall, I don't know. That that to me is a is a problem. So, so you prefer getting your meat from factory farming? How what, how dare you? This is yeah, this. I mean, there you've heard it, folks. The last time Courtney Kirchhoff will be on the program condemning hunters. What? I don't condemn hunters. <laughs> I think hunting's great. If you want to go out and hunt, do it. I support you. If you're gonna take down your own meat, there's something really kind of sexy about that uh, for a guy. If you're going to go hunt your deer, you're going to be out in the woods for days and days hunting elk and you take it down and you, yeah, but you say that, but you don't like manly men. This is the thing, Gay Jared, about Courtney. You know who she thinks the perfect man is? Not gay. Chris Hemsworth. No, that's not who I think is the perfect man. No, I was saying not gay, but Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) Possibly. He's a, he's a, he's a good looking guy. All right. Who's your perfect man, Courtney? Oh, man, I don't want to say on the air. He's a real person. <laughs> is it me? Is that what it is? No. Oh, damn. <laughs> nice try, though. I think, it's, I think it's Derek. Oh, wait, is it? Is it I see him smiling. I see there. Derek smiling over there at Wham in Detroit. He's giving us a grin, a grin <laughs> that's just beaming from your ear. I couldn't ear. pick Derek out of a lineup. I have no idea what he looks like. Well, picture like Dean Kane, blended with a little bit of like... No, I'm I like going to leave the second the, option open. Well, with the, the hair of Milo scally. Yiannopoulos, but Dean Cain blended with Hugh Jackman with the hair Hugh of Milo Jackman. Yiannopoulos. He's, he's a good-looking guy, too. Okay, I who's don't a know, perfect I, guy? I, is it a, someone you know or is it a celebrity? Okay, I think right now, if we're going to go for like an actor in that genre, because that's... Anybody on earth. Is it Lenny Kravitz? Come on, hit no. us with it. <laughs> no, guys who pierce their noses and their face, that's, I don't find that attractive at all. All right, hit Maybe us with it. Maybe in the days of, of pirates, that, that would be a, a good thing, but not, not today. Okay, you just you talk around the point here. Your punishment must be about <laughs> to be. Who's the guy? Henry Cavill. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I was just reading about it the other day. Ugh. Straight, She's so easily it's straight fooled. straight Matthew Boomer. She's so easily fooled, uh, Henry Cavill. Guy who couldn't do a single push-up, and he got in a oh, juice cycle. Oh, please. No, he literally couldn't do a single push-up. I read his workout plan. They were like, he bulked up to 183 and then cut down to 176. I'm like, you're six foot one, son. Oh, my gosh. You must have the legs of, a, of an Ethiopian famine victim. Because he's got, you know, he's got a nice chest. Gay Jared's noticed that. Not gay, Jared. Okay, Henry Cavill. So you like the sort of pretty boy. British. Who's fake like masculine. That's your thing. Fake like masculine. Yeah, well, he's like he fake looks masculine. pretty masculine on screen. So whatever they're doing, it's working on he's, screen. He's got a he's got a nose that looks like a Teletubby. Oh brother. And he's Look, got like the perfectly is, you coiffed hair. Why it took me five minutes to get to this is because I knew you were gonna do this. Because you knew I was gonna badmouth Henry Cavill. Because I knew like oh, there's nothing I could say. There's no one there's no one I could say, and he's not gonna rip it to pieces. What about uh Sam Elliott? Who's Sam Elliott? Ah, this is the problem with women today. This is the problem with what they don't appreciate. What about like uh, what about like a, a Charles Bronson back in his prime? Okay, yeah. You yeah. punk. You're gonna put Henry Cavill above the death wish. You make me want to puke. She doesn't know who or, Charles uh, Bronson is, or she'd be hysterical right now. Yeah. She I'm likes sorry. Those, she likes Courtney's either got a great poker face or she just hates working for me. She hates it. <laughs> she <laughs> despises it. What do you think? Like, what do you think about like a like a more artistic like Kurt Cobain, but not dead? What's your opinion on that? Ooh, the tortured, the tortured soul. 
There's yes. something there's something attractive about that. Yeah, the moody, um, yes. contemplative type. Well, that's there's me. something there's something that's hot about me. that. Just toss on a few love handles. And uh, a few a dozen is not a few, Steve. <laughs> a little ba- quickly, could, I was fat shaped. Baker's dozen. This is yeah, make it a baker's <laughs> dozen. You know, I didn't know what a baker's dozen was until I was fifteen. I had no That's idea. That's pretty sad. Yeah, I didn't That's know. That's pretty sad. I didn't know because I don't eat donuts. I don't eat bagels. It's just round bread. Hey, speaking of this, okay, genuine question. I think yeah. he's a good-looking guy. Ben yeah. Carson. Ben Carson. Isn't he a good-looking guy? He's a good-looking guy. He's a handsome man. He is. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's attractive. I would let him touch my brain. I would let him work on <laughs> <laughs> I like how there was some dot dot dots between touch and my brain. There was. Go for retard. <laughs> I'm saying I would feel safe in a man's hands like that. He, he seems uh-huh. like he's a guy who's in control, and I like That's that. That's a soundbite right there, Stephen. I, I next, think he's a guy. He says he's not gay. Yeah, exactly. I know. That's the whole thing. That's, you know what? It would be great if we could figure out the gay gene or if it's part of sort of, you know, neurology. Just crack open she Jared's just goes skull. Right to the gay, I mean, no, I do. I think Ben Carson is a good looking guy. And you know what else I think about Ben Carson? I talked, I tweeted this out. The guy came in fully pimped out. He was the only guy who dressed differently. His yeah, suit, pinstri- pinstripe suit. Now, fantastic. Now, it wasn't like full on Cedric the Entertainer or anything. But it was, you know, Rubio, Cruz, everyone else was like they all had the same agreement. We're going to do white shirt, black suit, red tie. And then, and then, boom, Carson. It was like, Which is why we couldn't have more female candidates. Because can you imagine if they all showed up wearing the same thing? It would be, be a disaster. You have to cancel and restart. Well, if you put Carly Fiorina in the same dress next to Courtney, I think she would tower over her and, like, club her. Because Courtney's a pretty strong, pretty strong broad. Isn't that that's right, true. Courtney? Yeah, that's, that's true. Also, I'd pay to see that. Well, I like Car. I like Carly. I, I do, like but just the idea of women fighting in jumpsuits or whatever we're talking about in jumpsuits. See, there's Pants a perfect suits. soundbite. It rep- it repulses not gay Jared. The idea of a pillow, a sweaty pillow fight between two attractive women. That, for some reason, is more offensive to gay Jared. Uh, I don't know. We'll be back with more Courtney after this break. This took a weird turn. We're going to continue down this weird turn. Girl fighting in dresses. And now time for Gentle Insults with Dr. Ben Carson. Well, you see, Mr. Blitzer, I I understand why one can maybe feel that way, but I think if you take my comments in context as a neurosurgeon, you'll see that I was looking at it objectively. Just like I believe if someone were to look at your your match on Celebrity Jeopardy objectively, um, it would not be dissimilar to an incident of rape in an alleyway the way that Andy Richter handled you on an intellectual level and I think the sort of demagoguery can can go either way and I I don't think it's conducive toward a better dialogue considering that in the figurative sense you were sexually assaulted on Celebrity Jeopardy This has been Gentle Insults with Dr. Ben Carson
We are wrapping everything up here in a nice bow. Breaking news, Justin Bieber's penis just hit the internet. We're going to talk about Bernie Sanders' tax plan because I believe it's more pressing than Bieber's balls. <laughs> this is... This is... This is... This is American news for you. Justin Bieber's nether regions just hit the internet. And the reaction is pretty, 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 pretty good. It's right at the front page of, I, as we do this, you know, I always scan through news and I'm going through Huffington Post and I see this thing on Justin Bieber right away and it comes right up in my timeline. Just when I get that feeling, I want feeling. And then I say, are those Justin Bieber's? I think they are. I can't believe that this is news now. And the worst thing is this is going to get more traffic than all of the primary debates combined. It's not even going to be close. <sighs> this is where we've come. Remember that era where you could do stupid stuff as a kid and not everyone would talk about it for the rest of your life? Yeah, but that was, it was still violated too many times for me as a child, so I just, I just stopped doing anything on camera. Well, that's what I'm saying. When you even didn't do it on camera, you things just did get, something stupid and it wasn't things like get found. Like you wrote a note in class and the teacher was saying, if you have something to share with the class, why don't we read it? And you ripped it up. Now it's like you send a tweet and you're carried out in cuffs. Or you kiss a girl and it's sexual harassment and you're kicked out of school. It's just bizarre the direction in which we've gone. And that's how you kind of justify the Bernie Sanders thing. We actually have a video that's going up, Lotter with Crowder, this week. You know, I've talked about Bernie Sanders quite a bit. Um, his plan. Okay, this is someone running for president. Our current debt, I think, is $18 trillion. What's the deficit? Do we know, Jared? I do not know. I think it's... The deficit, is it over a trillion? I don't think it's quite over a trillion. I think it's... I think like it's, $800 billion yeah, or something like that? There, I think. So for those who don't know, the debt is accumulative. The deficit is where you're spending it a year. So in other words, if our debt is $10 trillion, but we have a deficit of $1 trillion, in 10 years, the debt will be 20 trillion, just for those. Sometimes people use them interchangeably, and the left deliberately uses them interchangeably sometimes to confuse people. So, Sanders' plan would cost us an additional $18 trillion in addition to the current deficits we are running. Okay? He has no proposal to pay for this. And I'm saying this because it's been circulated right now. And people are saying, well, actually, the Wall Street Journal was debunked. He, he does talk about how to pay for it, cutting endless military spending and raising taxes. Okay, let's accept that, I don't know, $6.5 trillion in taxes can be realized according to what he's talking about. That, that still leaves us $11 trillion short. Talks about cutting endless military spending. I don't know what endless mil military spending is, but how military spending only makes up about 18% of the total budget. Now, they use the number. It makes up 54% of discretionary spending. So it only makes up about 18% of the total budget. So if you cut total military spending, about $600 billion, by 100% and added that on top of the additional taxes on the wealthy... It still wouldn't cover it. So then, this is so then Bernie Sanders people they point to that and you debunk it. They go, well, okay, well maybe not maybe not enough. You tax the wealthy, but the military spending. And then you go, okay, if you cut all military spending, it wouldn't be enough. So now we've removed the two concrete numbers that Bernie Sanders voters try and use. That's thrown out, and they go, well, his nationalized health care plan would save us money in the long run, even though it's listed as a cost, not as a benefit, even according to Bernie Sanders' own plan. So you do the math and you say, okay, 
So now we've removed the concrete numbers, and you're talking about projections based on what you hope. Well, the Affordable Care Act was projected to be, I think, a third of how much it ended up costing. Point me to any government program that ended up being wildly more expensive. But we've gone off numbers that we know are completely and totally unrealistic. They're not, you, they're impossible. And now we've gone into the territory of, well, actually, things would become less expensive because we really, really believe in the ideology of Bernie Sanders' plan. And the reason for this is it's very hard to compete with the lazy person who wants to take something from someone else. Yes, most people who are not doing super well financially are lazy. Most people who are unemployed have a choice. There's, I'm not saying people don't get a tough break, but there's always a choice. And it's a perfect example of the thread throughout the show. An assumed premise, that's what the left wants. Military-industrial complex, that's the term they use. Military-industrial complex. So what do people, or, or the bumper sticker, when, uh, when the Air Force has to host a bake sale to buy bombers and our schools get all the funding they need, then we'll know America is in the right place. Something like that. I don't remember the bumper stickers. I'm not a photographic memory for idiotic bumper stickers. But it's something like that. Well, actually, total government spending on school outpaces that of the military. Now, majority of that comes from state and municipalities, but it's just, again, it's a common myth. The left wants you to assume the premise and don't question it. Military-industrial complex, we need to reduce the spending. Okay, if you cut it by 100%, it still wouldn't cover your plans. We spend more in the military than on school. No, we don't. Ted Cruz is an idiot. No, he's not. Fox News is racist. No, it's not. 97% of climate scientists agree with climate change. No, they don't. You don't have to accept it. And that's the crazy thing. So many conservatives have been browbeaten, and it's worked because leftists have said, well, you're racist, you're sexist, you're anti-science, and you're so afraid of being labeled that accusation that they've been allowed to go out here completely unfettered and just force upon the rest of the American public a premise here, a premise there, that they demand you assume to be true. And it's not. A lot of them just aren't true. The Great, Great Depression was cured by the New, it was fixed by the New Deal. No, it wasn't. 97% of, no, it's just not, it's just not true. And if you just, I, I, I say that pause and that breaks every rule in radio. I leave it there because that's what you need to do. Untrue, Your Honor. And let them answer for it. Let the left answer for the claims that they make. Just like if someone's going to tell you that 9-11 is an inside job, and uh, our government is run by the Illuminati, Satan-worshipping power elite? Okay, prove it to me. The same thing with the, their claims are just as grandiose. If they can make those grandiose claims, they require grandiose evidence. Make them provide it. And if we all do that, I think you'll find that these assumed truths, they're going to stop throwing out these premises. And they'll be forced to defend their position, as conservatives have always been forced to do. See you next week, Louder with Crowder.